0: doors open connect
1: yes yeah, so what is like right. first of all i'll just say hello everyone <laughs> just jump straight into it hello everyone i am here with josh marzuko is it marzuko marzuko okay mm-hmm. Ma- from marzuko realty or is it real estate
0: real estate doesn't matter
1: because I I've, that's one thing when i came here like we don't call them realtors we're like they're real estate agents right so when i would say does anyone have like a real estate agent here that they know or, like whatever like the question would be they'd be like you mean a realtor? Like, it was it was so disorientating for people to hear, like, such a long description.
0: <laughs> right, right. Yeah. No, we, we, um, is Marzuko Real Estate LLC, and, um, you can call us Marzuko Realty. really mm. doesn't matter.
1: Cause you guys are popping up everywhere. Like, you flood my Instagram with, like, all the realtors <laughs> and everything.
0: <laughs> we know the branding's working then.
1: Yeah. Well, you've, um, you just hired, like, five more people in the last, like, 24, 48 hours, didn't you? Mm hmm. That's that's some pretty serious growth.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're at uh we're at just over three hundred and sixty agents now. Really? Four offices, three hundred and sixty agents. Um, our next target office we're thinking either the East Coast or maybe um like Fort Myers. We're in Cape Coral already. Yeah, but um we're thinking the East Coast. And how many you've got? Four, four now. Um,
1: spots. Mm-hmm. Um, how long has Mazuka been around for?
0: We opened in the end of 2017. Okay, so yeah, Yeah, pretty young. Yeah, uh, right after uh, I incorporated right before Hurricane Irma. I don't know if you were here for Irma. I've
1: been here for 12 months and two weeks. Okay, so you weren't (laughs)
0: here for Irma. So we incorporated right before Irma. Um, Couldn't even use my own office. My my uncle owns a massive construction company in Southwest Florida, and his office got damaged uh, pretty bad from Irma. And I had one agent at the time, so mm-hmm. he needed my office to work out of because my office was, uh, fully functional. Um, so I didn't get to use my own office for like the first three or four months we were open because they needed it. Oh, really? Yeah. And then, um, we, uh, had that office for about a year, um, no, about two years, actually just a little 400 square foot office, uh, 500 square feet in the industrial park. And, uh, we quickly grew out of it. So, um. We, we had to move into our new Naples location. Mm. And now we're in uh, Naples, Cape Coral, um, Tampa, Plant City, and then we're way north in uh, Lake City, Florida.
1: And that's a new, the recent one you guys just opened up. Lake City is the newest one.
0: Yeah. Correct. Yep.
1: And so you were just saying about uh, the east side. I'm super ignorant. We're like, I'm still learning about the real estate, especially in Florida. Everything, I mean, since I moved here, because the original plan when I moved here was... Within six months, we'll buy a house Mm -hmm. and, you know, we're all fine. Because housing, even with the inflated prices here in terms of what the market did the last two years, I came from Sydney. And Sydney is like, I was living in an apartment Mm -hmm. 20 minutes from the city. Right. And that probably is worth about 1.1 now. Two-bedroom apartment. And it's an apartment from the 70s. Wow, uh, just like modernizing the interior, but you've still got to take stairs. There's no elevator. Uh huh. Um, that and even most houses, like I look at the houses here, they're three million dollars. Right. And for three million in Sydney, it's like you kind of, I think my parents' house now would sell for about four and a half, five million. Wow. And that same house here would probably be like, even with the crazy prices. Eight hundred thousand. that's crazy yeah
0: that's wild i've never never been to australia it's definitely a uh, bucket list of mine but you
1: got it but you have to do it that if you do go it has to be a minimum of two to three weeks because it's such a trek right um it's like 26 hours of like total travel time so you go here fort myers then you fly all the way to either um LA or you have to do a stopover via like Atlanta. Okay. And you have to go. Yeah. So you go mid stop sometimes, or if you're lucky, you go to Dallas or or LA and then you do the 14 hour flight.
0: Gotcha. So fun fact, I travel all the time, probably Mm. once a month, but I'm terrified to death of flying. Really? Yeah.
1: Are you like, (laughs) my mother-in-law's like that, but she will just like white knuckle the whole flight. She flies once every two, three weeks.
0: The whole, if you, if you want a bad experience on an airplane, go on an airplane with me.
1: I'll go for the ride. Right. Yeah.
0: I, I, every little bump and movement, um, I'm really? white knuckled, holding on. The takeoffs are worse, but if we hit any type of turbulence, I'm like, and I have to take a Xanax to get on a plane. Wow. And I still, like, it's still, it might knock me out for a little bit, mm. but if there's any bit of turbulence, I'm just wide awake, ready, wow. ready to go.
1: I wonder what that, so. I've got a, a quick funny story. Same thing happened with uh, motion. So I get motion sickness. Right. And it, it shits me to tears because like I enjoy stuff like skydiving, roller coasters. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to enjoy being on boats. But as soon as that ratio of like horizontal to vertical is out of whack, right? I'm like meditating through it to try and just not throw it up. And it's like, you know, I'm fully conscious that I do it's not a problem, but my body's right. just, my brain and my stomach is just going. Nah, dude, you've got to get rid of your food. Yeah, and um I told my my mother in law that before I even met her, because they were coming to Australia to visit us. Okay, and they were like, we're gonna go to Great Barrier Reef, and I was like, all right, cool. And they go, we're gonna go out and scuba dive, and I'm like, cool, you can go on your own, but I'm not like, I get seasick. Right, and the seas are not like here. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I was, the first time I went on the water was in a cruise liner and it was 36 feet swells. Oh my God. So like going down just on the, the hallway, it was dropping that fast that it was like I was going downstairs. Wow. And then as it would come back up the swell, it was like the stair, like the floor was getting pulled into you. And so that was my first experience with the water. That's wild. <laughs> That's wild. And um, see, I was telling her that and, you know, it, 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 she was kind of laughing because she's like, look, Blake, seasickness is it's a control freak thing you know it's you know you just got to learn to let go and blah 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 and i'm like in the back of my head i'm like i think my wife told me that she's afraid of flying so this is kind of contradictory right right <laughs> and so we go out there and then it, it's storming mm-hmm. and it's like bang 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 and i go to stays like we vlogged the whole thing and i go to i remember then the video out that wasn't edited um into the actual final video but you can see me i'm vlogging myself like just breathing through it. And I gotta say something like I'm so angry at you. I told you this is not fun. <sighs> and you see in the background, my father-in-law helping my mother-in-law come down like she is oh fucking wrecked. God.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's... she was the
1: worst out of all of us.
0: <laughs> see, I don't get seasick, but I think the the airplane thing is 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 a control thing. Um mm-hmm. like I love speed, I got a you know, fast boat, I have you know, fast cars, all kinds of crazy shit. But when I get an airplane and I am not in control, I mean, I think that's a big part of it. And when Mm. it's moving around and bouncing and I just, every drop, I feel like it's going down. Really? Yeah. I just, and and I just, um, thought I would never do this, but my, my good buddy, uh, Jonathan Howard, he's a, he's a a broker here in Florida. He's, um, he owns a big company up in the panhandle. Well, he bought an airplane this year and it's, Uh. it's the, I want to say it's the cyrus i could be saying that wrong but it has a ballistics parachute on the top mm-hmm. so it's a four or five seater and if um if something goes wrong if there's engine failure or whatever there's a hatch that you pull and it launches this ballistics parachute up into the sky and it floats the whole plane to the ground what so yeah i mean you can look it up it's crazy you can look up the youtube videos and watch it an emergency landing coming in. Yeah. And, um, even with that, so he talked me into it. I didn't want to do it. Um, but everything was good. We flew over to the West coast for a car show and, um, flew back, but I was a nervous wreck the whole time. Mm. And then once we got up in the sky, this asshole goes, uh, you know, if something goes wrong, I'm not even going to pull the parachute. I'm just going to glide this to the ground. And I'm like, (laughs) if you don't pull that parachute, I'm going to pull the fucking parachute. But you know, I, I did it. I didn't can't say I enjoyed it and, mm-hmm. you know, enjoyed everyone's company in that, but I I just wasn't complete panic mode the whole <laughs> 35 minute ride to the East Coast. Small
1: planes are like that though. You feel everything. Yeah. I've, again, I've, I, I had another scenario like that going through one of the, it was to Arnhem land in Australia. And we, I think I threw up the last three days worth of food <sighs> on this thing. Cause it was like, again, just up and down. Yeah. And whereas in big planes, I don't know. I don't feel it as much, but I about three or four flights ago. I think when I'm out of control, mm-hmm. as in I like I have no control. Right. I'm a lot more relaxed with something because of I just know what I can can't and won't do, and like me freaking out, like oh, fuck, I can't do anything about it. Yeah. Um. That I remember once it was like a flight ago, uh, a couple of flights ago. I was just in my own zone doing something, and. It's like it starts having like crazy turbos, like it's dropping, rising, dropping, rising. I'm just like doing whatever, calm as anything. Right. And I'm like, I look to the side and people are grabbing each other. I'm like, oh yeah, this is this should be scary. But I and I can't explain why I didn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. But I just didn't. Even, I was like, all right. I just hope that they are good with their flying.
0: <laughs> yeah, see, I the last flight I had to Arizona with my, my partners at the, the real estate company, the Xanax worked. I was knocked out cold. Mm. And out of a dead sleep, we we're all sitting in a row together. There's six of us. And um, just, boom, I thought we hit a fucking wall. The plane just hit a terrible turbulence pocket. And they could see it. Like I went into full panic attack mode because it just- so Your ha-
1: body woke up from the Xanax.
0: Oh, yeah out of a dead sleep i was she said "I was, um jess morris said i was snoring and then she was right next to me and she was trying to like grab my arm to like you know calm me down but it was it, after it woke me up it was bad for like another seemed like an eternity it was probably like five minutes yeah but it was just all, the plane was just at a night flight it was all over the sky <laughs> and i was full sweat like just gripped like fuck. you weren't going to pry me out of that seat that's probably, probably keeps you human. Yeah, <laughs> k- yeah. K- keeps you humble, right? So I'm going to Nashville <laughs> next weekend with my my three best friends, and um, they know I'm terrified of it. So the whole, you know, pre flight, going to the airport, you know, walking down the, you know. Uh, the terminal. The terminal. Which
1: is a horrible name for something where you're about to get into something right, that right. you're terrified about. Yeah.
0: And they just fuck with me the whole time. You know, they're sending me like memes and just like, you know, when the plane's about to take off, my one buddy will turn to me and say, he's like, sounds like the engine's misfiring. And just, I'll just go in the, if the Xanax didn't knock me out yet, I go into to panic mode.
1: Well, th- that's how you know they're real friends.
0: Yeah. No, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> so it starts
1: in the airport.
0: It starts the morning getting really uh, that bad. Like if I go, like, I'm going to go on a bender next week in Nashville with these guys. Mm. As soon as I land in Nashville, I'll start thinking about the flight Monday. (laughs) Yeah. And especially if it's like a, you know, I had a rough flight coming into Aspen one time with my kids where both my kids were laying in my lap Mm. and, um, and people were screaming like the plane was all over the sky and people were women were screaming kids were crying my kids were almost in tears and kids aren't usually scared on planes they Mm -hmm. don't realize you know the fear of it um but my kids were terrified and then the everyone clapped when the pilot landed and um and he came on and apologized and he's like yeah that was a sketchy sketchy coming in it was the wind coming out of the mountains and i was like oh my god but that whole week you know i was Fucked up thinking about the flight coming back home. I considered running a car. Yeah. Oh yeah. I considered running a car and driving it back from Colorado with my kids because of that, that flight.
1: My mother-in-law probably would have done that. Yeah. (laughs) My mom's,
0: I don't know if it comes from my mom, but my mom's worse than me. Really? Yeah.
1: So She, she just starts thinking about it two months prior or something?
0: Just, yeah. We're going to California at the end of July for her family reunion. And she was looking for every excuse not to go to the family reunion.
1: Be- oh, exactly. because of the
0: flight. Wow. That's how bad and that's it is. that's a long
1: drive. You can't really drive it either.
0: Right. No, I mean, it would totally take forever. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's just like, I know if I'm on a boat and someone's driving and something goes south, I can jump off the boat or I can grab the wheel yeah. or a car. If I'm going 100 miles an hour in a McLaren and someone pulls out in front of me, at least I'm giving myself the chance to react. Mm. But on an airplane, I have no you control. Got nothing. Yeah.
1: Maybe you should just learn how to skydive and have like a spare oxygen mask and a a chute. That's a good things. idea.
0: That's a good idea.
1: Just <laughs> get some navy uh, Navy Seal training or yeah, something. Yeah, right.
0: That's that would be funny.
1: <laughs> yeah. Ah. Uh, well, my heart goes out to you because I I see my my mother in law all the time and she's just the second is like the takeoff. Um, I don't know if you do these tricks, but she, she'll she play video games or like phones. Yeah. And it, we have a joke. Like, we'll watch and have like laughs because it's like you can tell how bad the plane is because all of a sudden she'll like start pressing more like harsh and get closer and closer and closer That's to this.
0: That's me. <laughs> yeah. I keep my headphones with the music blaring because I'm a motorhead and I I know cars and boats and motorcycles. Mm. And I know, you know, the RPMs and stuff, but I don't know jet engines. But in my head, I feel like I can hear it. And I feel like, you know, when it's when it's powering down or powering up, I just I just get in my own mind and mm-hmm. I feel like something, you know, or I hear little noises and it's just, you know, it could be the air pockets and just stupid things you hear up yeah. in the sky. But in my head, it you know, it fucks with you. I'm like, Oh my god, does the engine you know, whatever. But I know, you know, they can fly on one engine. I, you know, I've yeah. done done a plenty of research. Trust me. But um, <laughs> but it and it have gotten, to console you. Yeah, I've gotten a little a little better, um, a little bit better over the years. You know, some flights I'm able to calm down and just say fuck it, it's out of your hands. Yeah. And then other fights, you know, I get in my head a little bit more, and it and it bothers me. But so all depends on how good the Xanax is. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Oh man, so so with um
1: to mazuko um because one thing i've always i mean i've i've even said to my wife i'm like it's a good looking team as well Mm -hmm. you know um which is it's really cool because it gets me excited when like when i see people or like brands which i'm like oh they've got it and when you know like i I think of when i look at mazuko i think of uh selling tampa for example Mm -hmm. that netflix show right right
0: um we were approached by um Netflix to do a, uh, shoot a pilot. Really?
1: And what was your, you
0: we met with yet? a guy. Um, we talked about it, but you know, my partners and I talked about it and it just really wasn't our thing. Like we have that look and that vibe and stuff like that. But you know, they were talking about, they want, they want to see drama. They want to yeah. see conflict. They want to see, someone banging someone's girlfriend and i'm like you know we're just yeah. not we're not about that like we're not uh we don't we have a nice smooth operation and i don't care if it gets all the publicity in the world we're just not
1: yeah trying to go
0: down that route
1: because that's the problem with reality tv shows is like there's not much reality in them right and i mean I, i've obviously got experience all of it behind the scenes and stuff and so i can i can see it a a mile away. Right. So I'm always the guy who ruins reality TV for everyone. Mm. Cause I'm just like, you know, that's scripted, right? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? I'm like, what are the odds of this happening? And then all of, this, all of a sudden this then being the outcome. Right. Um, and also I think the strength of reality TV is because they're not actors and they, they can't deliver it believable, which makes it more believable. it's like this counterintuitive result. Right. They're like, Oh, I can't believe she said that. And I'm like, fuck. No one talks like that. Yeah. <laughs> um. I know that that makes sense too. Because I've. You could probably do like a middle ground something though. Mm-hmm. Not not the drama part, but I've I've always said like with realtors, the cool thing is. Like humans want to snoop through houses, right? We like I don't know. Auctions aren't really a thing here, are they?
0: Um not as big as other places. They happen from time to time um, more of like a county courthouse auction you know on, oh, okay. on foreclosures and stuff like that or an estate auction but not as big as as what you would think in other parts of the country or other parts of the world.
1: Yeah because in Australia selling off market n- almost never happens especially in Sydney right. So they'll always do auctions um, and you know there'll be 50 60 people there right. Two bidders, three bidders, maybe. Right. Um, because everyone just likes to look, mm-hmm. and I've always said like the cool thing would be like to have the like the realtor going through and showing how the experience around the house would be, okay. you know, mm-hmm. versus just the house. Right. Um, because i even even where we live right now, it's a ten minute walk from the beach. That's, um, super super close. That's awesome. But it's so inconvenient to live there. Yeah, you know, to the point where my father in law is considering just selling it, mm-hmm. and you know, like it's a vacation home, but he's just like, even as a vacation home, he's like, living by the beach
0: is so inconvenient. Traffic, it's busy, it's just a lot of people. Yeah,
1: that Bonita Beach Road, right? It's you in busy season because I've only had again twelve months here, right. so during winter, that that road, which is about usually ten minutes, mm-hmm. it would could become like thirty. 40 and so you'll be driving away and be like you know what let's find out let's find something to do for the next six hours (laughs) (laughs) because
0: i'm not driving back home right no i agree and that's how us 41 is and um anywhere anywhere west of 75 on bonita beach it's just a nightmare in season Mm. out of season it's not too bad
1: yeah um so when
0: how long have you been doing real estate for I got licensed in 2015, so I've been in the bar business with my dad uh, okay. for almost 15 years now. So um, born and raised in Naples. Um, my dad was a janitor at a at a Catholic school. Uh, my brother and sister and I went there, grew up uh, super poor. My dad and I lived in a bedroom the size of this for about 12 years um, and he always he owned a bar in Pennsylvania with his dad in the 70s. He always said he was gonna open another bar. So um, he was working as a janitor. He was uh, building spec homes on the side. Uh, both my uncles are general contractors and the market took a shit. Mm. And um, so we opened Zookie's Sports Pub in 2008. And um, my dad and I and my brother, I have an older brother, older sister. Um, so we were doing that. The bar took off. We opened a second location. We were, got back into building and flipping houses. And um, for years he would tell me, get your license, get your license, you know, so we can keep everything in house and not have to pay realtors and and search around, whatever. So finally I did in 2015 and um, you know, just being from here, being lucky, being blessed, um, having the bar, knowing a lot of people, you know, my family knows a lot of people. I just got really busy at real estate Um, and, I was with a brokerage. I had no intentions of opening a brokerage. Mm. I was happy running the bar and um, selling real estate on the side. We were building houses. And um, the broker I was with merged with uh, another uh, company and they completely uh, changed everyone's commission splits overnight. And I had just recruited like four or five of my good friends and they were looking at me like an asshole. Like, yeah. did, did you know this was going to happen? Nobody had any clue. So we went from a hundred percent commission to like 70, 30 overnight. And everyone was looking at me like, I need to open my own brokerage. And I was like, w- hold up, I don't want to, I, I wanna just be an agent and and do my own thing. Um, but I got kind of talked into it, but I wasn't even a broker yet. So um, I went to my best friend, Jim, and his mom has been a broker for 25 years in Naples, um, never really used it, but always renewed it. Mm. So um, she was my, my managing broker for like, The first year and a half, um, almost two years of incorporating Marzuko real estate. I wasn't even the broker. And then eventually I got my broker's license. Um, And by that time, we were in that little office with like maybe 30, 35 agents. And I was kind of at like the turning point. Like I wanted, um, I was like, well, you know, people are asking me left and right to join. I'm not in favor of this office. I feel like it's not appealing. It's in an industrial park, it's super small. Um, so I kind of went to my, my, one of my best friends and mentor, um, Ben Flesher. Um, he's the, the CEO of, uh, pure, um, the Stevia company. Mm. Um, so he's in like Whole Foods, Publix, all that. And I yeah, really, it's yeah, I get a lot of advice from him and he's like, you need to o- open a badass office, design it as modern and trendy as you can. Um, and make it appealing for the younger generation and, and whoever, but make it be that super you know culture um fun you know just you know cool office to come into every day and so i took the chance rented you know a big office where we're at now designed it really cool um and that was about two months before COVID hit oh shit. and i was like well because nobody knew what was going to happen you yeah. know you know i thought the mo- i personally thought it was going to kill the market. Well, it did the opposite. Mm. Um, you know, I had just sold my own house. I moved in with my dad because I was too scared to buy another house because COVID just hit. He's like, you know, just move in with us for a few months. And, um, and then I rented this big office and, um, but it was, it was the right move. Um, we went from 35, 40 agents and before, uh, uh, COVID to almost 400 agents now. Yeah. Um, and, That's that's crazy growth. Yeah, and uh, you know, we just, we're 100%, so we don't have a commission split Mm -hmm. Um, and agents like that, but not traditionally 100% brokerages kind of have a bad rep. You know, if you join 100% brokerage, they think you're never gonna get any help, you're not gonna get any training. Well, I gave up selling to run the brokerage Mm. and manage and help and train. And I have five partners now and they all help me. And um, I have two broker associates And we're like the opposite of what the traditional 100% brokerage is. We train, we overtrain we mentor we're available 24 7 for the agents and that's what they like and that's you know what i can attribute to our to our growth yeah um, and we have that good look we you know we don't particularly try to recruit the best looking agents it kind of just just happens it's, it's like a known joke around town people give me shit about it all the time <laughs> um but you know it's just is what it is and um you know to me uh real estate the core of real estate is all who you know it's not what you know; it's who you know, um, and I'm a firm believer in that. And that's kind of how we, you know, push our our um, training. And you know, we have a lot of new agents, and uh, and that's what we're about is is uh, helping agents get ahead.
1: Yeah, because you guys do. I've i noticed you guys do training twice a day, uh, twice a week. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, what is it you typically are training them with, uh, and also. Um, actually start with that question. Yeah,
0: Yeah, so we do um, actually four times a week now, Monday in Lake City, Tuesday in Tampa, Wednesday in the Cape and Thursday in Naples. Oh wow. And all four offices could be a different training. I have a managing partner in all four offices Mm -hmm. and um, they're they're an equity partner. And every week it's different. Like this week is our beach party, so we're doing no trainings. Um, We're incorporating all in one. But um, like last week it could be listing agreements. Um, Next week, it could be our attorney, David Jed, coming in and and talking about the Farbar contract versus the Nabor contract. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Two weeks ago, it was Lauren Maxwell, our in-house lender. Um, So she came in and talked about- From Maxwell Mortgages? Maxwell Mortgage, yeah. So I'm partnered with uh, Jed Law, Heights title is the same thing, and uh, Lauren Maxwell from Maxwell Mortgage. Mm. And um, we co-brand together, we do a lot of events together, we're doing the beach party tomorrow all together. Um and she comes in a lot, um and does trainings. Um, the last one was about the hometown heroes, uh, the new program. DeSantis is is doing um uh, for support for first time homebuyers. Okay, yeah. Um, you know firefighters, paramedics, first responders, um, uh, veterans. So and so on. So every week it's different, mm. but everything we provide in our training is all geared towards helping agents grow their business. Um, you know, very little of it is the systems and the tools and the contracts and stuff like that. Like that's to me in real estate is all secondary. You can hire a transaction coordinator to do all that for you, but what you can't teach people is how to talk to people and how to build your brand. And you can, but some of that has to be naturally instilled in them and you have to be a people person. Mm. Um, you know, I could route off some of the top agents in Naples that aren't with, you know, our brokerage and, um, you know, what I can say is that they're incredible with people and, um, and people like them and trust them. And, you know, I think that's a big thing in real estate. Yeah.
1: And you're right. It's a hard thing to teach. You can't teach it. I've tried, I've tried yeah. it with past stuff and I'm like, oh yeah, no,
0: it doesn't happen. <laughs> right. It's, you cannot, the, to create a relationship and get people to know you, like you and trust you, you can't teach it. Mm. You can try, but a lot of that has to, you know, be naturally instilled in them. Yeah.
1: And so what's the uh, that thing you just mentioned about uh DeSantos with the first home buyer thing? I haven't heard about that.
0: It's um it's for hometown heroes. Um I don't have all the factual numbers on it. Um, but I can, you know, I can send that to you later. But it's more so a program um for the state of Florida to help out uh, first time buyers on the the first responder side. Okay. Uh, with with closing costs. So, um, you know, what people typically don't know that are uneducated about buying a home, uh, it's typically three to 4% of the purchase price are in your closing costs with the mortgage and title and stuff like that. So what it is is a credit uh, towards their closing costs to help them out. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that can usually turn a lot of people off with buying. In in a stale market prior to COVID, the sellers would, you know, you would submit an offer Um, a buyer would submit an offer and in that offer they would be asking the seller to contribute 2 or 3% of the purchase price towards the buyer's closing costs Mm. well the market got so hot and shifted that there was not a lot of that going on if any at all and then now the state of Florida and DeSantis passed this bill to help uh, first responders and veterans with their closing costs
1: yeah that would probably be similar Then because I we have in uh, Australia it's called stamp duty Mm -hmm. um you guys, do you guys have that here, or is that just more closing costs? It's Probably the same thing. Yeah, but it's, it's very stings. very similar. It stinks. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> it's because I remember my cl- the the stamp duty for one of my I think my sister's apartment was something like an additional twenty k.
0: That sounds know? about right. Yeah, here it would be similar to doc stamps on the deed of the home and the title insurance and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, and, yeah, it's probably the same. Yeah, yeah, that's because I'm looking at the moment like we're f- uh, looking to flip homes in. Michigan actually. Okay. There's a guy back in um, Australia who does it because he used to work in Michigan right. uh, around Detroit area, and then over the last decade, he's just become really, really good at flipping homes. Right. And that's when I first noticed. Like even with uh, the hard money aspect, I was like, "All right, here's my budget." And then like, when submitted to the hard money, got approved. But then they're like, "Yeah, there's also this fee, that fee, that fee." I'm like, "Fuck!" That puts me just out of budget. Right. So now I have to learn all those other things. Yeah. It's tricky. Do you have like things where you could educate buyers?
0: We do. Yeah. So a lot of our classes, um, probably like once every three months, we'll do like a, a class, not just for agents, but for the whole community. Um, and it's like a, exactly what you said, like an educational class for buyers to let them know the process. And, um, you know, if they want to get into flipping homes, how to get Um, you know, a mortgage, how to get the financing to do it if they don't have their own capital. So yeah, we do definitely.
1: Yeah. And so with flipping homes in Florida, because one of my friends does it here and it seems like right now it's, I mean, a lot of people are hesitant, Mm -hmm. but um, what do you, do you see any areas in particular that are
0: good in terms of growth of like with flipping? Well, right now, you know, to be honest, there's not too many good deals out there. Um, you know, my dad and I have really got pretty quiet with that at the start of COVID. A lot of people have, mm. um, you know, you might catch something under the radar, off market and get lucky. Um, we'll see what happens with this market. We'll see what happens with uh, people's mortgages. But um, what flipping came very popular after 2008, 2007, it came like a, became like a fad, it became like a social media thing. Mm. Um, the HD TV shows and stuff like that. And the shows on, uh, you know, reality shows about flipping and stuff like that. But then again, how you've said earlier about reality shows, you know, <laughs> when, when I'm looking at the purchase and price and, in li- yeah. the sneak of time, <laughs> right? It's just not, it's never that easy. And the profits never that great. Yes, it can be, yeah. but, um, you know, it's, it became, in my opinion, it became a fad. Everyone mm-hmm. wants to be a flipper. Everyone wants to be a wholesaler and, and stuff like that. Um, but it be, it was a lot easier after 2008 because the market nationwide oh, was, was flooded with good deals and foreclosures yeah. and REOs and stuff like that. Um, but what we got to remember is this: this, even if this downturns a little bit coming up, Um, which it probably will, it's nothing like 2008, 2009. Mm. There was a lot of mortgage fraud, a lot of, um, you know, ninja loans, you know, someone making 40 grand a year owned three rental properties. Mm. You know, mathematically that just doesn't make sense. This time around Florida was inundated with cash and even if people were mortgaging a property. They were putting 30, 40, 50, 60% down Mm. on their mortgage. So they were very cash heavy into the mortgage. So this is a totally different ball game. And I think, personally, I think Southwest Florida was way behind. So I think people sitting around waiting for these flips, like it's gonna be another 2008, just my opinion, I don't think that's gonna happen again.
1: Yeah, it's a completely different market. And also I heard that, what is it, uh, venture funds or- uh, I, I know, don't know, know what you're talking about. Yeah, okay, I'm blanking what they call, like hedge funds. Sorry. Yeah. Hedge funds have been buying a lot of single family homes. Right. Is that true or is that like- It is, I, I heard,
0: um, I'm drawing a blank on the hedge fund. It's like, I wanna say like Blackwell or Black Diamond or something. It's one of the biggest ones in the world. Um, I heard they bought thousands of homes. Zillow bought thousands of homes. Didn't Zillow tank that idea though? Yeah, they lost five hundred million bucks. Wow. So, um, you know, change. yeah. So that's and I don't know. I feel like people uh, get overextended, and mm-hmm. they they think that uh, homes are so guaranteed, and the real mar- real estate market is so guaranteed. And at the end of the day, it's you know, it's not. It's it's probably the most conservative investment you can make. Um, to a certain extent, mm. but um, buying thousands of homes like that, I don't, I don't really get that when these hedge funds do that.
1: Yeah, with um, because I mean, I'm, it's a completely different ball game over here compared to Australia, right? Um, buying a rental home can be good, but it can also be. I mean, again, when you're buying a home, and you know, if I'm going to find a five hundred thousand dollar home, I have to look five six hours out of Sydney. Yeah, it's wild. It's it's, wild. Um, we, because I've heard there's like tax deduction benefits, and that would be like the biggest draw card for people with, Mm -hmm. with, um, rentals. It's something that you can depreciate across 29 years or something.
0: Yeah, there's a lot that goes into that. And actually, because I'm not a CPA, I'm not really allowed to talk about that, anything tax related. Um, but you're on the right track.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's, there's, um, with the depreciation and stuff, it's a whole formula. But um, that's why a lot of the hedge funds and and that's the only justifiable reason I can would think that they they buy oh, a lot of homes truth. like that.
1: Yeah, because they have
0: money, you know, working against um, other capital and depreciation and stuff. And it I th- I think it all balances out. Yeah, but that's beyond my pay scale. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, m- my dad and I have nine rental houses, and um, that's about. As far as as we got, so mm. um, to understand why they buy thousands and why Zillow acquired, you know, um, thousands in that whole program, they they did ninety um, percent sure it didn't work out. Yeah, um, and I saw just yesterday some big uh, real estate companies were doing some some layoffs. Really? Yeah. For the first time in a a while, mm-hmm. because it went so hard so fast, and they hired and they had to. You know, sustain the growth because COVID was so wild, mm. and um, with the real estate market all over, uh, but now it's cooling off a little bit. And you know, here they are with these big salaries going out to these people, and you know, they it was on it was I'm not going to mention any names, but it was on a pretty big uh, pretty big uh, news network yesterday.
1: Yeah. Okay. So and so is inventory starting to increase a little yeah. bit
0: yeah yeah i mean southwest florida is still super desirable um mm. you know you where you had 20 people lined up to buy a home now you might only have five or six uh yeah. um you know and a lot of people gave up the fight too during covid because they got so sick of being beat out with cash or mm. um but houses was selling in like days oh I, I mean it was crazy crazy and um You know, a lot of people got discouraged and said, I'll just wait till it cools off a little bit. Now those people are starting to come out of the woodwork again. And um, you know, you have a lot of first time home buyers and families that have FHA loans and conventional loans. And then you have a family that sold a you know, $1.4 million townhome in New York city. Mm. And then they came here and pay cash for a $650,000 home or $800,000 home. So those other people had no chance.
1: Yeah. It seemed to be a lot of cash purchases.
0: A ton of them. The last two years. Mm -hmm. Which is great. It's great for, for Florida. Mm. Um, You know, I'm not worried about any other state, but Florida. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not licensed anywhere else. And, um, you know, I think we have an incredible governor and, um, you know, I think we're heading in the right direction.
1: Mm. So. Isn't it funny looking back now where everyone was like, when he first opened it back up, everyone's like, he's got the death of people on his, like, his blood on his hands. Oh, and man. like, it was like this cognitive dissonance of the whole ongoing, like, well, just you wait and see. And like that wait and see never came. Never and came. then even a year into it, it was still that, you know, that cognitive dissonance of, well, it's it's coming. You know, yeah. we're gonna stay locked up everywhere else, but it's coming yeah, we it, it paid off.
0: <laughs> oh, we, I never made, um, I never shut down any of the offices. I never enforced masks. And we have probably the friendliest, you know, most diversified brokerage in town. And a lot of Latin people, a lot of European people, everyone's always hugging and, and kissing and saying hi to each other. We've had like 15 people get COVID, and mm. nobody was, was seriously ill from it. And, um, I mean, we didn't social distance at all. Mm. Like we were, we had agents leave because they didn't like our practices, but I can't as the, the, the broker and owner of the company, when I have agents paying hundred to $150 a month to hang their license to utilize an office mm. and they're paying for that space, I can't shut the doors on them. I can't, you know, that's yeah. their office. And, um, and we got so busy during COVID that, you know, we were working and um where other brokerages and, I mean, as you know, a ton of other companies shut down and went from working from home. And and I'm not saying people didn't get sick and die, but I'm just saying I think a lot of it was political and bullshit.
1: Yeah, it definitely became that. And yeah. like you could see that it, it uh, the last two years was so, uh, I guess, it was like a lot of shit sort of came to the surface where it was, you could tell me like, all right, what's the political stance of that state or that city? Mm-hmm. And I can tell you what the regulations are going to be. You know, like it really became a right versus left thing. And Australia was the same. Like Australia was, I didn't realize how left it is. And like, I'm not anti-left. I'm like middle would be great. right? <laughs> but I didn't realize, I mean, everything was just Fear-based around COVID. yeah, And that's why, I mean, we got to zero cases for months. Right. And we were open when the rest of the world was shut, except
0: Florida. Um, you control people with fear.
1: Yeah. It's the easiest I, way. I think, though, as well, it was just more like it was this ecosystem of problems. The news makes money from whatever, like, their only incentive is to whatever's going to make people click mm-hmm. or watch, we'll push it out there. Yep. And that's our responsibility to our investors ourselves, so we keep our jobs, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you've got that vicious cycle where it's like, well, we'll feed them this and then people get scared and, you know, right. just keep feeding them that. And it's not our fault. We're just mm-hmm. reporting the news. Right. And uh, that's at least what we saw in Australia. It was when we got down to zero cases, that's when I started saying to Stacey, I'm like, this is a problem yeah. because now we've really have created a boogeyman.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I go, the second that shit starts, not even hitting the fan, it can just get a, you know, if we get to 100 cases a day. Because right. people were saying shit like, one case is one too many. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And, yeah, that that happened, th- that crazy lockdown that everyone saw, right. uh, that happened three weeks after Stace and I moved here. Jeez. We timed it so you good. You got lucky. <laughs> yeah. got really lucky. Yeah. And, I mean, we we moved to, obviously, you know, country of covid in florida and Mm -hmm. that's when i was like oh fuck it's this is a lot of bullshit on the news like once you're in there yeah the news makes it out like people
0: are just dropping on the streets yeah no we're out partying on boats here (laughs) groups of thousands together alfie oaks and and naples is Mm. you know having a a club every friday and saturday night with you know probably a thousand two thousand people coming through Mm. and you know where's everyone dropping like flies like It's just, I don't know. In my opinion, the whole thing was bullshit and political. Well, day
1: six, I went to the Logan Paul Mayweather fight. So I'm in a stadium. Like Stacey
0: and I took masks because
1: we're still like a little bit like, ah, is this safe?
0: Yeah, We're like,
1: we'll take it and we'll put it on when we get there. We get there, we're like,
0: nah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you're healthy. You know, I'm sure your wife is healthy. Mm. And, you know, I just... I don't know. I think your immune system is the, the best form of defense.
1: Yeah. Well, I had monoclonal antibodies too. That was about a month before the government put a restriction on it. Wow. I kicked COVID in
0: 24 hours. Yeah. yeah. I had a, I had no smell and no taste and a headache for like two weeks. You had the no smell. Yeah. No taste. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Um, I mean, it, it was different. For sure, mm. um, what what my title rep still doesn't have smell or taste, and she had it like a year ago. Really? Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't know. It was just weird. I mean, you know, that's how I knew I had it. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I I took an at home test, I think, and tested positive. I never went to the doctor, or anything. Never got prescribed anything. Mm. Um, my uncle John got pretty sick from it in Naples, and honestly, came pretty close. So I know it's a real thing but i think they just used it to push so many different things mm. um you know financially politically everything it was all like you said one big ecosystem and you know it just wasn't it wasn't done the right way in my opinion
1: yeah and but it is funny how quickly people are now like australia got slapped in the face because they basically forced everyone to get vaccinated we got new south wales got to like 95% vaccinated wow. like crazy high um and then they, that was, like, during the lockdowns. Then they slowly started opening up the restrictions uh, – sorry, minimizing the restrictions. Mm-hmm. And then they – the that was the natural curve started coming back down again. Right. And that's when they were, like, see, like, it, it's proof that the, the vaccine uh, minimizes the spread. Right. Five, six weeks later, like, COVID just came and slapped them because they opened up a little bit from international people. Right. The, if you watch the graph, it's like a vertical line. It mm-hmm. goes up to like 60,000 a day, which our population is um, a fifth of Florida. Right. And we had 10,000 10, cases a day more than Florida's worst day. Wow. And that that was-, wild. It, was it was funny because yeah. the whole rhetoric went from one case is one case too many to, and like the vaccine's our savior to, well, we just need to learn to live with it. Yeah. And I was like- thank God they like. like yeah. I was kind of relieved you know. way. It's right. I mean, <laughs> they needed that.
0: The flu just went through half the people I know in Naples within the last month. Yeah. It's made a reoccurrence. Right. And uh, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just going to happen. Mm. And um, you know, you just gotta, you gotta learn to evolve with it. I mean, disease is never going to go away. These things are always going to come about. Mm. Um, but I, I just mm. think the whole thing was just pushed the, yeah. the wrong way. <clears throat> It was a slippery slope. Yeah. So you like boxing, right?
1: Yeah. I was gonna say I saw you um, sparring. Well, it was like a throwback.
0: Yeah, it was a few years ago. Oh really? Do you yeah. still spar? I haven't. I mean, I got a bag in my garage, but I haven't. I don't think I've sparred since that night. But all right, do got to. Yeah, I've I have uh, four mm four amateur MMA fights. And really, one sanctioned. Um, and that was at the Amokley Casino back in 2013 or 14 was my last fight. And uh, my kneecap popped out in the second round. Oh, f- so I got a video of it, I'll have to show you after. Yeah. But um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I never considered myself good or anything. I just, you know, kind of got into it years ago. And um, my best friend is a is a heavyweight pro fighter, MMA fighter. And um, so, you know, kind of being around him and some other guys, I just said, well, I'll take an amateur fight. And then Mm -hmm. I did one, then I did two, and um, I just liked it. I'm the most easygoing person in the world. Like, I don't get mad. I don't – and even walking in the cage, I was, you know, terrified in every fight. I think if anyone tells you you're not scared, then they're lying. Um, But – and I wouldn't even be aggressive until I got hit a couple times. Like, I had the – you know, I had the physically – you know, fight or flight, you know, get hit and be like, Oh fuck, if I don't do something, I'm gonna mm. get hurt. Um and that's when you gotta, you know, turn it on a little bit. Yeah. But, so can you like you I guess you do jujitsu? I did a little bit. I always did no gi. Never yeah. never got into the belts and stuff like that in the tournaments. Um I just strictly did it to know a little bit to take a fight. Mm-hmm. Did some Muay Thai, um, you know, actually trained with some some pretty badass people. Um, I've trained with Cosmo Alexander. Um, He's the number one TIE fighter in the world. I mean, he knocked out Sage Northcott in an MMA fight in like 10 seconds. Oh, shit. Um, If you look that (laughs) video up, he broke like, I don't know, like 17 bones in his face on one punch. But um, Mike King King, uh, lived in Naples for a while. He cornered me in most of my fights. Crafton Wallace, Crafton Wallace, I think had three or four fights in the UFC. He's in Naples. Um, So I was very fortunate uh, to train with some pretty badass guys, but I had no idea what I was doing. Mm. I just trained with them and um, didn't take it too serious. I just kind of wanted to know a little bit about everything just to protect myself. And then, in my opinion, a fight can go either way. In MMA, um, if you just protect yourself and just try to brawl it out.
1: Well, it just takes one hit that can level anyone out because mm-hmm. the reason I... I mean, I don't know what, what the reason was you why you got into it. But I got into it because it was when when she got serious with my wife, before she was my wife, where I was like, oh, I'm going to have a family one day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was like the what if. Like, I need to be able to protect myself. Right. And, you know, I don't want to be a pussy. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> and yeah. it's funny, though, because I say this to everyone. I'm like, everyone should learn to fight. And I think less people would fight. Right. You know, because I noticed... My confidence changed, how I mm-hmm. talk to people changed, how right. I walk around changed. Um, it, w- it was just such a, a powerful thing to learn. It, I, and I know boxing, like, I mean, I've got a little bit of, a very little bit of Muay Thai mm-hmm. and a tight, like I wouldn't even count the, the jiu-jitsu. Um, but yeah, just that difference of like, all right, at least I've got enough of a fighting chance to, and also I'm fast. So I just need to be able to stop the person for a second and bolt, you know, yeah. versus no, that's, sort of freaking out.
0: I agree. I mean, I think jujitsu, um, I had my girls in the Muay Thai with crafting for a little bit. My little one loves it. My older one wasn't too interested, but, um, I think self-defense and confidence and knowing and, um, in assessing the situation is key. Like I'm not a hothead, you know, if I was out, at a bar with a girl and a guy made a comment to her. I'd be like, "Cool, man, thanks." Yeah, I'm with her Not because well, you, you know what it's like to get hit and right. hit, right? And you don't want that. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, people that find out I do MMA, they're like, "Oh, you must be a badass." I'm like, "Actually, <laughs>
1: it's such a misconception." I avoid confrontation
0: <laughs> at all costs. Like, I can I defend myself? Yeah, and I will and my kids, my mm. family. But um, I go the other way. Yeah, yeah. like I don't I don't want to hit anybody, and I also don't want to get hit. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um but will I defend myself? Yes. And do I know how to do it and take it to the next level? Yeah, I can, but I don't want to. Yeah. Um and but I think it's great for anybody, like you said. I mean, um and then you know not to mess with the guy with the cauliflower ear if you if you <laughs> if you see somebody in public that has uh the ears messed up you take like, the hand yeah, and walk away. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna screw with that guy. But um yeah, I'm I'm uh I, I love it though. I love watching it. Um, big fan of McGregor, John Jones. Mm. Um, I'm not too, like I'm a big Tyson fan, but I never really got into boxing stuff like that.
1: It, it, boxing is, it's, it's so different. Yeah. But um, have you heard the guy, shit, what's his name? Uh, Timothy Larkin. Can't say I have. So having girls, I would highly recommend read his book. Yeah. Um, he he's got a book that's called When Violence is the Answer hmm. and um I remember reading it and I go to Stace, I'm like Sienna's doing this, right, you're doing this. Um Luckily in Southwest Florida it's fairly, you know, I think it's very safe area considering, right. uh, you know, the rest of America. But he goes into the reality of self-defense. So like he looks at MMA. MMA has very few rules, but all those rules are basically Rules that don't allow the the sort of kill spots, you know, Mm -hmm. you can't go for the eyes, you can't go for the mouth, you can't, um, you know, you can't break people's knees, kick them certain ways. He go. he looks at that and then goes, I'm going to teach people how to do that stuff because I need to teach women that are like, you know, 130 pounds to Mm -hmm. overpower a 200 pound guy. And the stories he has of the people he's taught are insane. Mm -hmm. There's like one that really stuck with me. Um, He does these um, courses as well, like two day courses. Right. And his friend was in the area and he took his daughter who was 16 at the time. And she, she, you know, begrudgingly did it. She didn't really want to be there. She she paid enough of attention to get what she needed. Right. And then went on her way. Four years later he's, you know, she walks in with her two younger daughters, younger sisters. And he's, she's like, do you remember He's like, yeah, yeah, I remember you. And she goes, oh, so you, you didn't hear? And he's like, no. And so she, three, three years later when she was 19, right. she was at a, uh, a college, mm-hmm. bottom level um, dorm with her and a friend. Um, they'd sleep with the window open or at least unlocked just for some fresh air. And she had like um, uh, one of those efficient beds where it's like the desk underneath and the bed's elevated. Right. So her friend every single Tuesday and Thursday would go and stay at her boyfriend's dorm. And so one Thursday night, she wakes up and there's this guy on top of her, and she goes, "I just heard your voice straight away in my head." Right. And this is again three years after. Yeah and automatically her brain, instead of going like freak out, cause most, you know, obviously most women will be like, ah, like right. screaming and like, that's what is gonna just allow him to you know, overpower right. him. So she, instead she was like, all right, he's on top of the covers, he's sitting up on me, he's gonna have to come forward into me mm-hmm. and um, to take the covers off me. And so she waited, he leans forward, she wraps around his neck, Sticks her thumb in his eye Straight to the second knuckle That's what they teach So you burst the retina And the optical nerve uh, And then she's holding on to him So she's like 120 pounds Mm -hmm. Just holding on to this guy And not letting him go When you you burst the um, optical nerve In one eye You go blind temporarily in the other Wow And so she's holding on You know, during the struggle They fall off the bed And by luck Her elbow somehow Like she comes loose And her elbow hits him uh, in the throat and she hears a crack. He goes limp. She just runs out. Then they, by the time security got in, he was already asphyxiated out and dead. Wow. They found out that this was the sixth time this guy had either raped or attempted to rape. And, you know, he'd done the classical thing of like scoping. He knew the right. rhythm and all that sort of stuff. But that's the type, like that was just one story of so many stories right. of well, girls agree. that size. And that. I, yeah, he, he the way he taught it all, um, and the way he teaches it, he never glamorizes it. He mm-hmm. goes, "This is disgusting," and he goes, "I get." In an ideal world, most people look at the victim like, "Oh, you know, he, right. she never should have been raped," and he goes, "I fucking agree." Yeah, but those people are out there, so let's learn from what he right he did and how he figured it out and reverse engineer it. Right, um, but yeah, he teaches real self defense stuff so mm-hmm. that and all the weak spots. Like another one, this girl. Had a 200-pound guy grab her from behind. She corkscrewed out, um, elbowed him in the face so he was stunned for a second. Most women would run. Mm-hmm. She turns around, implodes his knee from the side, and he just buckles over and he can't move. Yeah. And then she just casually calls the cops. And the cops are like, like she had a gun in her handbag. He waited for her to put the handbag in the car before he grabbed her. And the cops are like, you know you could have shot him. She goes, he wasn't moving anywhere. <laughs> like <laughs> this yeah. little tiny girl... I'm telling you, a it's, guy.
0: it's, it's, crucial to know. Like, I totally agree with all that. And, um, I mean, I've stepped into a gym when I first got into it and, it, and doing jits and, uh, I would, you know, go to roll with a guy that was like smaller than me and I, uh, in my head and be like, well, I think I can overpower this guy. The next thing you know, you're in a fucking arm yeah. bar and, <laughs> or, like, you how know, get <laughs> yeah, you're in a your rear naked choke and you're struggling to, for your life to breathe. So. Um. No, I totally agree with self-defense and knowing, especially with girls. And, um, I got them at home, you know, hitting the bag, hitting my hands and stuff like that. Um, you know, I don't have mats to roll around with, but they're aggressive. Like I know they can, um, I actually, I had a little incident, uh, two weeks ago, a mom called me, my 12 year old was spending the night at someone's house and, um, they were at the community pool and the mom was in on working out and her daughter came knocking on the window, like you need to come outside right now. And, um, I, and the, the mom called me and said, we had a little bit of an incident, I guess, my daughter was in the pool with her friends. And then some older girls were making fun of her friends and got one of the girls to cry. So my daughter, my little one's got a big mouth, and she ran her mouth in in defense. And then when she got out of the pool and was like walking over away somewhere, these two girls cornered her and the mom went outside and, um, was, you know, seeing what the heck was going on. And she's like, your daughter was calling them both out. Like she took her <laughs> stance and she's like, she took a fight stance and put her hands up and was saying to both of them. To come. <laughs> and she's like, I thought they were going to kill her. I'm like, well, I'm probably like, not." <laughs> I'm like, she would have been fine. I'm like, she is, she knows. I mean, she can throw hands. Like she yeah. knows combos and and everything. But um, so I teach him. Like I'm not a jujitsu master. I think jujitsu is the best thing. Oh, it's a, a superpower apparently. Like yeah. It. Um. I mean, the littlest guy can you know, or anyone can mm. you know, detain anybody. Um, which is incredible. And um, you know, and and to getting back to. You know, fighting and stuff like that. My buddy Mike King would always say, "Everyone wants to be a fighter until they get hit." Yeah, and um, and that's just a saying. You know, a lot of people run their mouths. There's a lot of people, especially in our town, that could use a hit to the mouth. Yeah, um, because they've never been punched in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's until you've been punched in the face, you learn not to run your mouth.
1: Yeah. Well, even like when I spar with my friends, like we spar. And it's light. So there's like, there's no headgear, nothing. But also our goal is not like, it's not hundred percent to right. the head because I'm just like, this is meant to be fun, but right. you're learning like, I don't want to cause brain damage. Yeah. So it's like a the rules are hundred percent to the body, 20% to the head. Mm-hmm. And the thing with 20% is you have to move a little bit slower, right. which means you have to actually be better because, you know, you have to really maneuver the person yeah. to, to tap them. But even the tap through a sixteen ounce glove, your world rocks. Yeah. Like I remember my friend back home; he's been boxing for years. Like he's the one that's ta- taught me, and he's fucking. You know that he's boxing you at like thirty percent. It's like a, right. it's sort of like a cat playing with a mouse. And the second my wife would get the camera up, he's just he would look at it, smile, bang bang bang. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. just, I just drop. I'm like, "Fuck you, man." Yeah, there's. I mean,
0: <laughs> it's funny. I mean, I've I've sparred guys like that too, and um, it's just incredible. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been through some shit sparring, and probably did it the the wrong way. Um, like a week or two before a fight, I would go in with these guys, and we called it like the lion's den, and you wore MMA gloves, no headgear, mm. and every every minute or minute and a half, a fresh guy would come in on you. Uh, and you'd yeah. do that for about 10 minutes. So you would just get the shit kicked out of you for 10 minutes. And the lion's den, after the lion's den, my face was more beat up than the actual fights. Mm. Um, getting re- getting ready for a fight is the worst part. The actual fight, your adrenaline's flowing so hard and, um, you know, usually don't feel anything until the next day, but um, Getting ready for the fight and the training and and all the sparring and getting beat up is is to me worse than the actual fight. Yeah. Okay. Um, but no, it's uh, my body can't handle it anymore. But um, I loved it when I was when I was doing it.
1: Yeah. There's something so primal about it too. Right. You know what I mean? Like that was when I said to when I started learning. I said to Stace, I'm like, I. F- it made me just think of the movie Fight Club. Yeah, You know, like like yeah. the whole guy, the guys that are forever just being suppressed by themselves in society or whatever you want to say. But then right. once they enter that primal star, like that primal energy of like men just want to hit shit. Right. I don't know why we want to, but it's like, there's nothing better than hitting shit.
0: I agree. <laughs> I agree. I love hitting the heavy bag. Mm. Um, I'm not too big into speed bags because I'm not a boxer, but um, what are the purpose of those? Um, just hand eye coordination and, and momentum and flow. And, um, you know, I've never could get one going. I've mm. tried, I've done it, would get it going for like 10 seconds, but those guys are just incredible. My buddy Jimbo can get it going like no other, but, um, it, it's just, uh, and keeping your hands up, um, mm-hmm. endurance. Um, but uh, you oh, know, yeah,
1: cause they're always that high too. Yeah. You don't, yeah, you don't
0: sense. see MMA guys doing that. Just, that's mm. just a boxing thing. But, um, uh, and just like for flow, and uh, you know, boxing is so uh, coordinated, and um, you know, and they, they're trying to make MMA that way. But I, I feel like MMA, you, you, the, the professionals come into it with a game plan, but these guys are so freaking athletic now. You know, you might, a guy might come in as a southpaw mm. and um, have a jujitsu background but the guy could have been training with Cosmo for the last six months in Muay Thai and he's coming in like a freaking professional kickboxer. Yeah. So I just, I'm a firm believer and you can't have a plan, but I think boxing is a little more coordinated and, um, you know, the combos are a little bit more educated and stuff like that because there's no kicking or ground game involved. Yeah. But I'm, um, I'm pretty sure that's, you know, the, the flow of a speed bag and, you know, stuff like that. But I believe it's the endurance aspect too, and keeping your hands up for long periods yeah. of times. It's different cardio. Oh
1: yeah. Like I've got very good cardio, but I remember when I first started like 30 seconds, it's an eternity. I'm gassed, Yeah. You know? Uh, yep, And it, it's, it's yeah it's just different but then you go for a run and it's like it's completely different again And then you got like skipping seems to be probably the closest in a way Mm -hmm. but but like you get confident hitting pads or or hitting the bag the second you get then in front of someone else like your brain's just blacking out doesn't know what's going on and all of a sudden you're gassed in you know
0: 13 seconds yeah it's an adrenaline in a fight it's called an adrenaline dump yeah um and it's very, I mean, it's ha- it happened to me in one or two of them where I was, you know, kind of doing some ground and pound and trying to finish the fight. And then, it, um, my last fight, the bell rang. I was on top of the guy hitting him with hammer fists. And, um, I, I'll show you the video, but, um, and then the bell rang and, um, the ref didn't stop the fight before the bell. So I had to go into the fucking second round. And then all that, adrenaline and energy left me mm. in between those rounds. And then the second round started and, um, I just cooked, you know, yeah, I was done <laughs> because I was trying to finish the fight, but an adrenaline dump is a, is a real thing yeah. and, um, your heart rate got so high and then, um, you feel like you have nothing. Mm. Um, thank God my kneecap popped out like 10 seconds into that round and oh. had to stop the fight because I was cooked. Like I was- that was, from like a misstep or was it? A- no, I was grappling in a cage about six months before that. And um, a guy tied me up pretty good and it popped out. And uh, Kraft and Wallace, the guy that owns the gym came in the cage and just popped it back in. Mm. And I never had surgery. You're, you ha- In order for your kneecap to dislocate, you have to tear your medial patella ligament. Mm-hmm and if you don't ever get it repaired it will continue to pop out on the wrong movement and um, when the second round started i think i i think i just stepped the wrong way and i i tried to get the guy in double underhooks to toss him and it just popped and he saw it and he immediately stopped and yeah, i got i had the forfeit or whatever you call it the doctor at the casino came in the cage popped it back in patted me on the back and that was my last fight Ugh. Um, and i don't even think I don't even think I've been in, in an altercation sense. Mm. I've sense but, um, I have sparred since, but I got pretty heated about two months ago in St. Pete. Some of these guys whistled at my 14-year-old while we were walking down the road. Oh,
1: that had set me off.
0: I ran, ran them down a quarter mile, a, and they stopped at a stoplight, and um, they wouldn't roll down the window. I was going to hit the guy through the window. I was snapped, yeah. absolutely snapped, because they, they whistled, and they said something derogative, too. Oh, and, shit. Um you know, I don't care. Every guy's a guy. But never in my life have I ever considered hitting on someone that I even looked under yeah. the age of, like, 25. Like, you know, 14 versus... You gotta be careful
1: these days. Some, yeah, like, illegal right. girls look... They doll themselves up, and you're like, right. you like, have to be, like... It's like asking for ID. I'm yeah. like, now, if you don't look under the age of 25, like you said...
0: But these guys are, like, 40. Oh, that's
1: just disgusting. Yeah, and I was
0: fucking pissed. Yeah. And um, my girlfriend was... Like running after me, and she got pissed off at me. Yeah. And she's like, Guys are gonna do that. She's like, Just expect that. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I'm gonna hit every one of them <laughs> because no one's gonna, you know, if a 16 year old boy does it, yeah, whatever. I was 16, yeah. um, but not a 40 year old man. Yeah. I, I was, I almost smashed my fist through his window and they pulled off because mm-hmm. he wouldn't roll down the window. There was two of them, they wouldn't get out of the car. They had the windows down, and they whistled at her and said something. It's right back up. Yeah, and I went right back up when I came running, but um I was mad. <laughs> yeah. It's it's
1: tricky too, especially like I mean in Australia, guns aren't a thing. Here it's like I, I always just wonder, I'm like, fuck, you know, I, I feel like I even I'm even more laid back here because I'm just like, you know, the, the what if. Right. Um
0: You can't have guns in Australia? You can, but
1: fuck it's hard. Yeah. So wow. we had like a, a mass shooting Back in '96, okay, where the guy he killed 18, wow. I think, um, and basically the government was just did right, no guns, like wow. buy back, um, and like if if you see the like the videos of the the piles of guns that were bought back, mm-hmm. it was insane. Like I I didn't I forgot because I mean I was born eight years prior, right. But I was—I never even real like I was already at school then. But I didn't realize mm. guns were like. If you asked me if gun, if people a lot of people had guns, my entire life I'd be like, nah, no one really had any. Right. Then when I saw
0: like conveyor belts of guns
1: they and the buyback,
0: them. I was like, holy yeah. shit! Um, I'm a big gun advocate. I have a lot of guns. I have like 50 guns. Yeah, they're but, fun. Yeah, like, I hunt though. I shoot. Mm. My kids, you know. They shoot with me. We have two acres. We shoot at the house. And um, Where do you go hunting? Because I uh, really want to go hunting. So I have uh, a 6,500-acre lease that I split with um, my good buddy Murray. And um, that's like about an hour and a half from here, a little mm-hmm. north of LaBelle, Florida. And um, there's hogs, pig, or, um, hogs turkey, uh, deer. Um, we did a few quail hunts. But um, you can hunt all over Florida. I mean, you can mm. shoot pigs just about anywhere. You know, deer and uh, turkey gotta be in season, but um, you know, the shooting hogs is fun. Mm. Um, or running them down with the dogs is an experience. That's coming from Australia. I bet you would, <laughs> you would like that.
1: Yeah, I think, so do the dogs catch them or do you like sort of find them and then shoot them?
0: Yeah, so the, it's a whole process and it's ex- an experience. Um, you, you, you're riding on a swamp buggy With hound dogs with uh, tracking collars on them. And there's this device that we have, and it tracks the hounds. Mm. And then in a cage by itself, you have a catch dog, and that's usually the nastiest Mm. pit bull or bulldog you've ever seen. And um, you can't pet him, can't touch him. He is strictly there to catch that pig. Oh, shit. So these hound dogs might chase that pig for. Thirty minutes. We chase one one night for an hour, mm. and we're tracking it on the swamp buggy in the pitch black. And you might let two or three of them out, and they'll tire that pig out when they're barking at him, barking at him. It's called having it at bay. And once you're on the tracker, you see they're not moving anymore. They have that pig at bay. And once you get close enough, that pit, the catch dog can hear him barking, and he's just foaming at the mouth to get out of that cage. And you just release him, and he hits that pig like you've never seen. And he doesn't let go. And then you come running with, you know, two or three of your buddies. Someone grabs the pig's legs, you hog tie it. And, um, someone usually have to like choke the pit bull off to Mm. get him to release. Um, and you try not to get bit by the dog or hit by the pig. Um, we usually don't kill them only if someone is looking for one or if we are, but a lot of times we just take a picture with them and let them go.
1: And so it can go, so the people doesn't bite it fatally or anything?
0: No. Them things are freaking vicious, the pigs and themselves. Mm. I mean, their skin's so thick. and um, you know, So I'll I'm be m- honest, that sounds disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> it's, sounds- it's pretty brutal. Um, Maybe I'll have
1: to shoot a deer first before yeah. I wake up to
0: that. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Um, but those pigs are meaner than anything. Mm. Um, I mean, I have farm animals. I have three pigs, you know, domestic pigs, and I have, uh, two goats and a duck. Um, but that's what I messaged you saying. My wife would be jealous because she wants goats so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the one Wendy is freaking annoying. So all she does is as soon as she sees you, as soon as she sees through the house in the window from a hundred yards away, that's there's life and activity in the morning. She starts screaming for food. Mm. Um, it's funny their personalities, but, um, you know, between a domestic pig, a potbelly pig and a wild hog, I mean, the wild hog will kill you. Mm. Um, there's hunters that have been killed from them because they've gashed them so bad with their tusks. Yeah, how um, big are they? Shit, I mean, they can. In some states, and you know, Texas, other Arkansas, some you know razorbacks can get freaking eight hundred thousand pounds, but. Down here, they're like, you know, if you shoot a good pig that's over three hundred pounds or four hundred pounds. Oh, I got so confused,
1: big. like eight hundred thousand pounds. I didn't realize uh, there was no, a dash. No, eight hundred to a thousand. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was mean, like, that's a yeah, big fucking
0: pig. <laughs> yeah, there's some dude. There's some. There's some monsters out there. Mm. Um, I don't know if What's you fall. That in
1: kilos. That's five four fifty kilos. Fuck, that is heavy. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Yeah,
0: there's guys in Texas that shoot them from helicopters. I've seen that. Yeah, that'd um, be interesting. Uh, Jesse James, I don't know if you follow him, the bike builder, mm-hmm. uh, he was a uh, had a TV show at one time. He builds choppers and, um, but now he builds custom guns um, because he was such a, a good blacksmith um, and, but he charters a, a helicopter might even be his own and he freaking flies and just, because even here, but in a lot of states the pigs are ruining crops. They're mm-hmm. such a nuisance that um, you know, they're in some cases ruining people's livelihoods mm. and they're just multiplying, 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 and they're rooting and they're, you know, they can, uh, I play at Raptor Bay golf course a lot and you can see the pig root. Um, I mean, and that it's a bad problem out there, the wild pigs, I mean, they're just little ones, but they're rooting up, you know, it costs, it might cost a million dollars, uh, to build a, a good green you know, 500000 to a million dollars when it's all said and done to, mm. to manicure a green, and these pigs can come ruin it in a night. Yeah. So it's just, you know, they're... um I don't like shooting deer. I like deer. Mm. Um, I think they're just a soft, gentle animal, um, you know, but pigs are just... The wild pigs are... are yeah. you know, I don't really feel that bad for.
1: The only reason, like, I'm interested in... Uh, hunting a deer is because my wife's vegan okay. and like I get with her like I I when we first met you know like she led with like it's healthier I'm like mm, you very debatable yeah um but I, and so we, we've recently shifted where I'm like lead with the ethics no one's gonna argue the ethics right but I mean even your own husband will argue you on the health side right uh but never on the ethics so like she actually is for because I still eat meat mm-hmm. um and I said to her, I'm like, well, what if I hunted a deer? Then that meat would last me a lot longer. Then you know that only one thing is being killed and I'm not contributing to, you know, big factory farming, et cetera, right. et cetera. And she said she'd be for that. Yeah. Um, she also, she, aggr- and I agree with her. She goes, I want, you, I want you to see what it's like to take a life. Mm-hmm. And you might not like it. And I go, what happens if I do? <laughs>
0: like then you, you could have started a monster. <laughs> then you're buying property and a crossbow and rifles. <laughs> yeah,
1: but um, that's why the deer. And I, but I don't eat um, I don't eat pork or or bacon. Yeah, or anything like I the occasional because your bacon is different. Hours I was more like ham. Like you know like Canadian bacon. Right. I think we have it like that. Yeah. Crispy bacon is another thing in
0: Australia. That's wild. Yeah. I have it almost every day. Really? Yeah, I've it been trying with to. It is that crunch. It's, yeah. it's got a crunch to it. I've been trying to get more into turkey bacon um, for health reasons, but I love bacon. Turkey bacon? Yeah, it's more of like a processed bacon, but um, uh, it's supposed to be a little bit healthier. So. Being processed? Yeah, uh, just the turkey versus the the pork and. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, if you go to Publix and you look, you'll see turkey bacon. I'll have a look for it. Yeah, it doesn't look <laughs> good, but. You know, from like a calorie standpoint and stuff like that, mm. it's supposed to be a little bit better for it.
1: Yeah. Well, I've recently started. I mean, I dabble here and there on fruit and meat. Yeah. And that's it. Like.
0: Well, I started following that carnivore MD.
1: Yeah, that's how. That's that yeah. guy. He's a little intense,
0: though. He's intense. I try to <laughs> eat the liver. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, you haven't uh, had liver? I love I, liver. I see. I. It's I just so it's so soft. I know, but I just couldn't. uh I cooked it and and uh, I tried to eat it and I just couldn't get it down. Uh, was it beef liver? I think so. Yeah, it was from Publix.
1: Yeah, there's a place in Bonita Springs and they do it. They're like a, an actual little family farm. Okay. Um, the only problem is they sell them in lots of two, and it's like, and they're like they're um airtight sealed. Right. And so once you cut it open, I'm like I can't eat two slivers of liver like right. i want to
0: so it, I, I just didn't like the texture of it once it was cooked it's different
1: yeah. it's very different i used to eat chicken liver a lot though mm-hmm. um and i used to have fun fucking with people yeah. like i when i was a personal trainer back in sydney i'd be eating it and i'd be like dude try this meat it's so soft and they'd be like fuck this is delicious <sighs> and they're like, I'm like they're like yeah and they go why is it different like oh it's chicken liver like <laughs> and they'd freak out I'm like it was fine a second ago right you know um No, know liver is a it tastes irony
0: right that's what it is yeah
1: it's very very heavy in iron Mm -hmm. um I've got to get back into it though I've just been eating a little bit more red meat than usual I've laid off chicken yeah because I heard that chicken is very high in omega 6 fats which is Mm. not good for us uh learned that in a podcast thanks Rogan (laughs) (laughs) um And that wasn't from Carnivore MD, it was from another person where they were saying something along the way, like, you know, when you say like, what's the healthiest meal? Everyone goes like chicken, brown rice and veggies or broccoli. Um, And they go, that's actually not
0: true. And I was like, like change. I've been doing lean ground beef, broccoli and brown rice every Mm -hmm. day. And I used to try to eat red meat, like have a flare, a good ribeye, like once a week. And now I'm eating red meat almost every day. Yeah, mix it with some fish. Like I love fish. Yeah this i love salmon my favorite
1: yeah, yeah. the well, i've actually shifted it recently where um i by accident when i first moved here i was forgetting to eat before midday mm-hmm. and i've just kind of kept that going so i don't i don't really eat until 11, 30, 12 maybe 1 sometimes um and then i'll eat you know just eggs and some fruit and stuff like that. And then I'll snack the entire time. And then I'll have like a big ass meal before I go to sleep. Right.
0: I feel so awake. Yeah. I, I was doing fasting for a while and and I liked it. I felt lean. I felt good, but um, I would get headaches. Mm. Um, I get really bad migraines, like one or two a month. And um, I don't know if it's like stress related and, mm. um, you know, athletic related from all my injuries and stuff. But um I found that when I don't eat till like noon and now I'm meal prepping. And so the first thing I do um, is just grab a meat, one of my meals in the morning and I eat it. I don't care if it's seven. I don't care if it's, you know, six, I eat it or I'm having eggs and bacon. And then I go into my meals for the day. Mm. Um, but I got to eat like every two hours. I, I f- don't do things if I know I can't eat. Really? Yeah. I wish I was like that. I, t- I Was like that for a while?
1: And then I became just like, all right, if I'm hungry, I eat. Unless it gets like three o'clock and I'm like, fucking eat, dude. Like yeah. <laughs> stop everything. Um, because I also, I get like rosacea and like, mm-hmm. a, it's like whatever. It, and sometimes if it's like, if I have a shitload of gluten, for example, or right. if I drink alcohol, which very rarely happens. I did on my birthday and I realized I'm a fucking weak, weak <laughs> alcohol person.
0: Me too. I'm, I'm- <laughs> I don't drink a lot, but when I do, like next weekend, I'm going to go hard. Yeah. Because well, America
1: makes you drink, you make yeah. you drink so strong here. Right. Australia, Australia, that's even regulated, but I, it sounds bad at first, but it's like, I like knowing that, all right, if I've bought a rum and Coke. Right. It's strictly one ounce. Like our um, responsible serving of alcohol is real strict. Right. Um, but I like that because it's like, okay, I know I can have two drinks in the first hour and be okay to drive, mm-hmm. so you can sort of be a bit careful. Right. Whereas here, like we went to uh, t- the putt putt golf, uh, the Tiger Woods one, pop stroke. That's it. Mm-hmm. We went there for my birthday. <laughs> I I had um, the, my other friend who was there, Blake. who's also called Blake. <laughs> he um, he goes, yeah, let's get a Bacardi and pineapple. I was like, wow, okay, it's a little bit gay, but cool. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do it, and it came out, and I swear it was Bacardi. And pineapple, and yeah. I was just like, like we both sipped it. i like, Jesus, yeah. And I, I even from that one drink, I go to Stace. I'm like, oh, you're driving to the restaurant. No yeah. fucking chance. And like, That's I was,
0: how I am. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I enjoy a good time, but then again, it comes back to the headaches. Like I can have one drink. And I can get a buzz from it. Mm. And if I don't continue drinking or if I quit, if I just stop after that one drink, I'll get a fucking migraine. Yeah. So then it just makes the rest of the time miserable. So I got to be very careful when I drink. I'm, you know, super sensitive to alcohol. And um, so I I just choose not to drink most Mm. of the time. But when I go away and stuff like that, especially with my buddies, you know, we, we we go pretty hard. I'm my closest group of friends that I consider like my brothers or, fucking wild like <laughs> some like i'm not your typical born and bred naples kid like i grew up in golden gate that's where my buddies are from and um we're just from a different breed of people mm. so
1: well you're talking to an aussie like i don't know yeah. if you've heard of half the shit that we do right weird. no like, i know football players they're the worst yeah. like they're they're um they they get they'd get fucked up every monday night after the game right and some of the stories like have you heard of the bubbler? I can't say I have. Oh. <laughs> so the bubbler, it is only in football. I don't know why these guys do it, but like they'll go to the urinal and then they'll pee up. And then, so it looks like, you know, like, you know, like the, uh, we call them, you call them water fountains or something? Yeah, yeah. We call them bubblers. Bubblers, okay. And so they, they'll they pee up and then take a sip.
0: Are you serious? Like
1: they're just fucking wild. I, I wasn't crazy. into football, but I knew all what they would do. Yeah. And they would just do weird shit where you're like,
0: Huh? That's wild. Yeah. That's some crazy shit. I like, mean, yeah, look I've at heard... your,
1: your NFL players, and I'm like, those guys are tame. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, they're in the, in the locker room meditating before the game and <laughs> listening to heavy metal, but no, nah, I Drinking your own piss. That's yeah. a little bit different. And you have to do
1: it on the right angle to make it look like a bubbler stream.
0: Yeah, that's not, <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm pretty <laughs> fucked up in the head, but that's not something I think that would ever come across my mind to and, do.
1: <laughs> and that's like probably the most G rated story I'll probably tell on this. Yeah. Like, there's some other ones. The best one you should listen to um, if you listen to podcasts, uh, Flagrant with Andrew Schultz, the okay. comedian, he had a MMA fighter. He's an up and coming guy. He's Aussie. Right. And he came from a football background. And so he's just rattling out all the stories of his football days. And they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> he's like, you guys are wild. I'm like, yeah, you know, ask any Aussie about those things. And they're like, yeah, we know they exist.
0: Yeah. Oh, I bet.
1: Yeah. Well, they're I always bet. in controversies. Right. Like the media, again, this is where the media, like they love the controversy. Every... F- every month there's some sort of footballer uh controversy you know that wow. it's like the foot um, and it's only a league it's not union right the league just seems to have um just they keep getting a uh, smashed by the media because they're just wild boys yeah and they're meant to be mentors it's like you know you're not it's it's like when you you try and not swear around your kids because you don't mm-hmm. want them swearing. It's like, they're going to know it exists. Right. The kids that look at their football play, look for footballers. Even if you don't tell them what they do, if they get into football, they're going to get into that culture. Regardless, yeah. you're not stopping anything. You're not saving lives. like
0: <laughs> Especially if you're handing a, you know, 22, 23, 24 year old, um, a nice salary. Mm. You're talking about professional guys, right? Yeah. But yeah. they have
1: caps. Okay. So a high earner in the in football is like 750000
0: Yeah. But even so, I mean, it's still- it's great still, money, don't get me wrong. Yeah, they're going to be out not, partying. Not NFL and, money, though. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to be partying and living it up. Yeah. So I don't know what people expect. That's the thing that with me, I don't fucking judge anybody. Mm. I don't want anybody judging me. And, you know, I really- We're kind of like that black sheep brokerage. Um, I don't want to be that stand-in-line brokerage, you know- mm. You know, we dress up when we have to, but for the most part, we're super casual. We're laid back, and um, a lot of people don't like me. A lot of, and I could give zero fucks. Like, I mm. don't, I don't go to networking events. I'm not out there, you know, trying to blow anyone and, and kiss anyone's ass to get business. Um, I think a lot of people are fake to their core, yeah. and I'm everyone that comes knows comes out me. real quick, though. Yeah, you yeah. know
1: what I mean, and that that's what I tell everyone. Even with like with the, the content that you put out. Show because I've even had people like oh I shouldn't have said that on the podcast I'm like it's you though right like fuck it who gives a shit right um, I would rather someone know who I am like again if if you land on my Instagram or my TikTok or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is I don't want you seeing some polished version right f- polished bullshit version because then when I come and speak to you and I'm not that po- it's like meeting your celebrity you're like mm-hmm. oh fuck you're shorter than I thought you were or you know you're, you're kind of skinnier and you kind of look gone you kind of read. Right, exactly. You don't want that. Right. That throw, like you want the opposite effect Was it's like, oh shit, like you're actually really fun or, you know, yeah. whatever it is. But I, it feels like there's still a lot of people that, you know, oh yeah, I have to be this way and be that way. Uh, most networking events I start going to, they're like, hey, just heads up how you, dre- like, how you dress and, mm-hmm. um, you know, what you say, like swearing. People don't like swearing. It's right. my favorite one. Within, like, a month of me being at whatever group it is, right. everyone else is swearing because yeah. they've been like, oh shit, we're allowed to do this? Yeah.
0: I'm like, yeah, be you. People like real people. They like mm. you to be yourself. And a lot of, um, you know, a lot of clients, you know, our, our main focus is, is real estate. They can pick up on that. They yeah. can pick up on someone if they're, if they're being fake, if they're, you know, trying to be something they're not. And I just don't feed into that that Mm. traditional line of brokers and and real estate agents. And I'm happy to admit that. Like, Mm. I want to be the black sheep. I don't want to be, I don't want to be that, you know, I don't want to be grouped into the, the, the regular everyday society.
1: Yeah. It works too, because when you, in an attempt of becoming like everyone else, you don't, you know, get seen. Yeah. And I think that's another reason for your success is that you are not part of the mold, you know, and, Yeah, It's definitely, it is funny though, because every time I see like as someone else will be, because, because I do like with the content, it's the edit collaborator. So it appears on the other people's walls and then I'll have like someone else follow me. I'm like, oh, realtor. Oh, Mazuka. I'm like, fuck, they're everywhere. Right. (laughs) You guys are like taking over Southwest Florida.
0: Oh, I mean, I don't know if I would go that far. I I appreciate the (laughs) compliment, (laughs) but I mean, we'll, we'll take it. We just, you know, show who we are and do what we do. And, you know, we don't let. You know people judge us and and get in the way we just Mm. i tell everyone to be as real as they possibly can and um and just be yourself yeah um if something works for someone else doesn't mean it's going to work for you and there's a lot of facade in real estate a lot of social media a lot of stuff like that and um and i see a lot of people that you know watch one episode of selling sunsets and Um, you know, and next thing you know, that you they act like they're making a million dollars a year, Mm. and um, I just think it's funny, and I just you know want to call would call out people. I'd be like, you couldn't even sell freaking drugs at a AA meeting if it wasn't (laughs) for your mom and dad. Like, you know, a lot of people inherited a book of business, and um, you know, I just it's just uh, a lot of facade in Southwest Florida, Mm. and we don't want to you know, go down that route. We made a pretty funny parody video. Oh, is that the one that Lionel shot? Yes. With the Lambos. my buddy, um, from Detroit, actually Detroit. Dave has a bunch of Lamb, a bunch of fucking toys. Um, and I was like, Dave, can we use your cars for this, uh, for this shoot? And, um, we just had fun with it and made a, you know, Lionel was awesome. And Mm. we made a, a funny parody video because a lot of agents nationwide worldwide, you know, people think you just get a real estate license and boom, you're making money. Yeah, and a lot of agents act that way. Uh, my buddy Ben, that owns Pier, he calls he calls real estate agents uh, hundred thousand dollar millionaires. <laughs> you know, they make fifty to hundred grand a year and they act like a millionaire. And um, and that's that's why I say there's just a lot of facade in real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I stay away, f- try to stay away from it, try to stay away from the people and the networking events, and just stick to my agents and um and just keep my head down and and just stay in my lane. Yeah. Um but at the same regard there's also so many great agents in our area, not even with our brokerage like so many cool people, so many smart people, so many agents making a ton of money. And I hate when people talk shit about real estate agents. Um I hate when they say everyone's a realtor. Um and you know, there's 17,000 realtors in Southwest Florida. Well, where else can you get a fucking 63 certificate Mm. and i know a ton of realtors in naples that made over two million bucks the last two years so they're laughing all the way to the bank so i hate when people say you know everyone's a realtor that's an easy profession to get into
1: yeah i'd say it's easy to get into but it's not easy to be good at exactly you know yeah and because i remember when i first started when i first moved here and i met with one marketing agency and she's like, you know, what do you charge? And I told her what I charge. And she she goes, I go, I would love to work with, you know, successful realtors or like construction people or mm-hmm. stuff like that. And she's like, straight away she starts shitting on the real estate people are like, Ugh, there's like eight hundred or oh, so she said eight thousand, then they're all broken, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't need eight thousand clients. Right. You know, but that was my first experience of like how many there are here because mm-hmm. um and when she said the numbers, I'm like, yeah, but that's every industry, right? You know, like I was a personal trainer. Everyone's a fucking personal trainer, right? You know, like as as mean as it sounds, I was like, I, I remember when I was doing it. I I'd, people would start up, and they're like, you know, they're obese, mm-hmm. and they're like, yeah, I'm just really passionate about fitness, and I'm like, it doesn't show, yeah. You know, like I, 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 it's it's fucking awesome that you've just become passionate about it, but right the. <laughs> To to circle that one, there was the best when I was uh, not a personal trainer, but I was at another gym prior. One guy, um, one of the trainers there, called Lucky. He he had a kid come up to him who just got his personal trainer's right. um, certificate, and he goes, "You know, I, I just want to get some clients, and I could know. I, I just want to know, like, what do I need to do?" And he goes, "Well, the first thing is you've got to just go and look in the mirror." And just ask yourself, honestly, would I pay me to train me? And the kid was like, well, that's a bit mean. He goes, <laughs> only if the answer is no. Right. I was like, fuck. Like, he nailed it.
0: Yeah. You know? I and like that. And I, th- I think that's just. I see him at my daughter's gym. She has a personal trainer just because she's my older daughter is 15 now and she doesn't listen to me and mm. you know i try to take her to the gym but i she can't won't wait for listen. that time <laughs> yeah so i got her a really cool female personal trainer that she looks up to and and you know loves the girl to death but the other and she's fit as can be you know she's really cute and fit but um the other trainers there i'm like must eat pizza every night and don't even work out yeah. i'm like how are you PT or like, in my opinion, in business, you're in, especially real estate and obviously personal training, you are your own walking billboard. Mm -hmm. Like, um, in real estate, people want to do business with the agents that they think are superior in their field and are killing it. It's just a law of attraction. They want to work with that person in fitness. I want to work with the most knowledgeable, you know, nutritionist and, uh, and the guy that's fucking jacked Mm. because I want to be jacked. Like, I, I don't get it. I never got that in personal training. Yeah. Um, when people are overweight and could give zero shits about their, their diet or meal planning and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, because you are your own walking billboard. Yeah. Um, and uh, I saw something the other day, Jeff Bezos quote, uh, your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. Yeah, I like that. And I love that. Like, And it's because it's the truth. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, when you're in a self... Uh, a self-motivating, and um, you know, when you are your own brand, I mean, that's the truth. Like you're a walking billboard. Yeah. And uh, I don't know i I would never, I would never hire a PT person that was I thought was overweight or in worse shape than myself. Yeah. And there, it's out there. Yeah. It's it is weird. Like I mean,
1: for me to pay, I mean, I'm I'm temporarily having a loss mm-hmm. financially. For a perceived long-term gain, and why, like, why would you pay someone that it it isn't where I want to be? You know, like, right. you should be paying the person for where you want to be. Um, but I th- again, I think some, at least in personal training, the saving grace for a lot of them was you're also a part-time psychologist right. slash therapist. You know, I, I watched some of them, and some of them did not too bad. Mm-hmm. But it, again, it was back to what you said: the people that can talk were the ones that got the clients, the right. ones that kept the clients. Like, yeah. I mean, a lot of my clients was, one, I, I, base knowledge, I knew everything. Like I knew body awareness, the psychology behind them. Like, all right, you're thinking this way. Like your flight is kicking in and therefore you're kicking your back out and you're actually turning everything off instead of supporting you. Right. And so I'd say like, you fight the ground or fight. And so they'd turn on that. But then on the other side, I'd be telling fucking weird stories. Mm-hmm. Telling them about like, I mean, my wife knows all this, so it doesn't matter about me telling. I'd be like, yeah, I went to a swingers party for the first time ever. And they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> and they're like, and then, or I'd be like, I'm going to one. And then like, you could see the next week, all my clients, as I'd start with them, they'd be like, "Like at that elephant in the room. Like, where do I go? And I'd be like, yeah, they're not as great as you think they're going to be. But, you know, just having stories as well that made right. people just go, fuck, I actually look forward to your session, not cause, just because I'm going to work out, but I'm like, what the fuck did Blake do this week? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Um That's funny. That was yeah. That's why it's like it's funny. I'm so open with everything. But yeah, it's where to be. Well, the day I met my wife, I had she went. We I went to Bali. Okay. And the day before, I'd been at a swingers party. Wow. Yeah, and so I'm talking to my mates, just like fucking, like yeah, this was happening. I'm like. It's cool, but you know, it's also like, it's how you see it. Like when you think of swingers parties, you just think of everyone looks exactly how you want them to look. Like they're all going to look like if you're into brunettes, they're all brunettes. Right? ain't like that, bro. (laughs) And so that was my introduction to this girl. And she, at the time she was four years celibate. So we're like polar opposites. Yeah. And that's wild from that start. I was like, well, yeah, like that's who I am when I'm single. Like what at that time. Um, but she also was like, I I also wanted her to know everything about me because honesty is like, it kneecaps anyone who might have ill intent for you. Mm -hmm. And you know, yeah, I just basically through time, it's like, yeah, this, or like, that was my, like, she knows stories about my ex-girlfriends, <laughs> like their names and this. She goes, oh, is that, like, she even has met some of my ex-girlfriends because I still talk to them. Right. But I'm like, I go to her, I'm like, those relationships, I will smile when I talk about them, but I'm remembering that time, not I wish I went back. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, it, it's the funniest relationship where it's like, it, it shouldn't make sense. Right. You know, good, good loving though. Christian family, me, no, like, <laughs> <laughs> nice and devout, like, you know, don't swear in public, me, I fucking, I'm a, I'm a sailor. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's how,
0: I mean, I come from a big Italian family, so, you know, the F word's just, you know, second nature, but it's just such a good word. Yeah, I agree.
1: I was talking to, you know, Sid Fernandez. Oh, yeah. 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 So Sin's he was on the podcast. I love Sid. I bumped into him two days ago and he goes to me, he goes, dude, I used one of your sayings on my wife the other day. I'm like, oh, what one? He goes, my favorite one. I'm like, is it the same as my wife? He goes, yeah, the same one. So my, if, if you say something is awesome, right. instead of me going like, oh, wow, I'll be like, get fucked. Like <laughs> that's, and that's the favorite one for my wife. So Sid tried it on his wife the other day and she's like, what did you say?
0: That's funny. Like, what did you
1: say? He's like, get fucked. And she's like, it's, it, obviously, because America you usually get fucked is like you're telling someone, get away from me, I hate you, or whatever. Right. Not like, oh wow. <laughs> right. And she She's she like, I mean, it works because I think I'm adopting it. That's funny.
0: <laughs> I can't picture Sid doing that, but it's. Uh, he's he,
1: he's a character we yeah. want to do like. Um, no, he's a
0: smart dude. I like Sid.
1: Yeah, we we're um I'm getting him on the podcast again. He'll be my first repeated mm-hmm. um guest. Because we were were chatting the other day and we're talking about, he goes, I just want to start a business where it's just a bunch of ripped guys and, you know, they're shirtless and they do all the gardening and like the sidewalk stuff. So that the theory behind that is they'll distract the wives so the men can go to, you know, golf. Yeah. I'm like, I like that. And the saying will be, we'll mow your lawn, but we won't cut your grass.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's actually pretty cool.
1: <laughs> now we just need to find some rip guys.
0: Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that's actually really, that's really interesting.
1: But um, but yeah, no, he's he's fantastic.
0: Yeah, he's a good guy. Like I <laughs> said, he, um, we were doing a lot of mortgage work together um, in the past. I think he started his own thing now.
1: Yeah, he's um, off to something new, actually. I can't remember what it was. I've got to chat with him further because yeah. he wants to do some stuff with me.
0: So Good. He's he's a legend though. Yeah. But, yeah. Sid's awesome. He's I, I like Sid because Sid is real. Like he's yeah. he's raw. Like he's uh no shits giving type of guy, military. Um I wasn't in the military, my dad was in the army, but um you know, I just Sid's just genuine. Mm. And that's what I like.
1: He's yeah, and that's it's like you know what you're getting. Plus he's just fun. Yeah. Like our podcast was a bunch of laughs, you know. Right. It's um and it it's it's funny because yeah he's definitely one of those people. The second you meet them, you feel comfortable. Right. And that's that's what you want. Mm-hmm. Like I was on a Zoom call with a lady yesterday, and she's already telling me about her childhood and stuff like that. She's right. She's like, "Why am I telling you this?" I'm like, "I don't know, just because you probably know." I'm not going to judge you. You know.
0: Hmm.
1: Um. But no, nah, that's cool. And so, how do you? Do you have
0: like a hiring process that you do that? Not really. Um, You know, we're not big recruiters, just kind of our social media falling and just word of mouth. Mm -hmm. Like so many brokerages spend so much money a month calling and recruiting and text messages and stuff like that. Um, We send out a few text messages here and there uh, to newly licensed uh, agents. But, um, you know, we don't really have because our model is more of like a membership Um, because we don't take a commission. Mm. So we like taking on new agents. We like training them. We like molding them. And, um, it's kind of like our challenge to, you know, get them onto that first deal and then, you know, show them how to do it. And, you know, we take pride in getting them rolling. A lot of brokerages don't even take on new agents. You got to hit a certain sales quota um, before they even consider you. Mm. Um, And a lot of brokerages spend a ton of money recruiting um, new agents. But we're kind of like, you know, just go with the flow. And, um, you know, like the four or five agents that joined us this week um, just kind of reached out organically. Um, and I, and I love when the big corporate companies are spending millions of dollars a year recruiting, um, because I joke with people and say, they're my biggest recruiter because I say, Hey, to those agents, go join them, check them out for a few months. I can guarantee you it's not what they promised. Mm. And then naturally they come over to our brokerage because they see the hype and the culture and the social media and, um, you know, just what we provide. Yeah. So, yeah, that's important for sure.
1: Cause I, no- I notice, I mean, it's. It's sounding very similar to like I mean the only parallel I've got right now is like gyms because I've been looking at how gyms operate here right. compared to Australia. Australia, at least the gym I was at, mm-hmm. it was the same deal. You paid. Uh, this is Australian dollars, but like, um, oh yeah, it's, these things I've got to get new ones. They're no, not these, that great. They're fine. I'm
0: just <laughs> sitting up different now.
1: <laughs> um, it was it was you'd pay so you get four weeks where you get rent free, mm-hmm. um, four weeks half rent and um then from after 8 weeks you're paying full rent which was like 250 a, a week right that motivates you because one i can charge whatever i want right two yes if i'm ma- paying 250 a week and making 500 that sucks yeah but if i'm paying 250 a week and i'm making 3 grand mm-hmm. that 250 doesn't mean shit right whereas here the gyms are all about like we're going to take a percentage Mm -hmm. and it's linear. So it's like, well, hold on. I'm going to get clients. And now I'm working my ass off to make 40 bucks an hour. Right. When, you know, I could go get a trade and not have to look for work and make the same, or at least a little bit less because that's 40 bucks an hour, not including the recruiting time and finding, finding clients, et cetera. Right. Um, And the turnover here is insane in those gyms. Oh my God. I haven't like, I I see new trainers every, like I got four gym memberships. Yeah. There's only two or three um, PTs that I've
0: seen consistently. Consistently. Yeah. You know? I agree. Yeah. My buddy worked at uh, LA fitness during law school and he was selling the PT. And I, that was eye opening to me because I always thought they made good money in the membership and having tens and thousands of members. But Mm. he said the real money's in the PT. Yeah. And, um, but the turnover, just, you know, so going crazy. there every day and, you know, saying what's up to them. I'd see a trainer one day, then not the next. And then they're yeah. always training new ones. And, um, and then the, you know, the gym was taking a big percentage of that PT's mm. hour. And just,
1: I don't know. It doesn't make like, and it, it's silly because it's like, you know, in order for that to change, all they would have to do in that example would be change your prices and increase them by two bucks a month. Yeah. 2 bucks, 3 bucks a month. You, each customer is not going to give a shit. Like, right. oh, it's gone from 10 to 12 bucks a month. I'm not going to change over that. Right. But change your your employee, like personal trainers are great people that hold they they keep clients there as well. Right. You know, and they build the cult, they build the culture of that exactly. gym. Same as realtors, the realtors build the culture of the mm-hmm. brokerage that if then if they're winning, you win way more, and you like I said, you can just increase the prices for the membership by a couple of bucks. It's like mm-hmm. it's like rent of a home. If you increase the rent of a home by fifty bucks, hundred bucks a month, people are going to be like, eh, "Fuck it, I'll, I'll stay." Right. But yeah, it just seems like a lot of the a lot of the corporate companies here don't operate like that. They fuck the employees mm-hmm. and then get and then spend shitloads of money on marketing to be right. like, "We're great," and then all false promises at the start, like you'll get yep. this, this, and this, and within two months, the employees are like, fuck you guys, I haven't seen shit.
0: Same way with the big companies with real estate. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I love it. They they let them spend the money, let them do the recruiting, then naturally and organically, we end up, you know, getting the agent. Yeah. So.
1: That's always the
0: best way. Let your yeah.
1: let competitors shoot themselves in the feet. Right.
0: <laughs> I like being the second or third guy they try out. Mm. Um, because. You look great in comparison then. Right. Yeah. And, you know, there's no gray area with us. We have what we have to offer our fees are set. Um, You know, we, we help and train more than anybody. And, um, you know, and we don't paint a picture. Like from day one, when I interview an agent, like I'm completely upfront and real. I tell them this is not all rainbows and sunshine and unicorns. Mm. You're not going to make a million bucks your first year. Like it's, you know, I, I don't paint a picture for them, And, and, you know, I'm as real as I possibly can be. Um, and I think they appreciate that because some of them quit jobs and jump right into real estate Yeah. and I'm like, hold up, pump the brakes, keep that job. You can slowly transition into this, um, keep that steady paycheck. So you're not, you know, fucking wired and strapped for money and bills because, you know, you can have, get a home under contract and be expecting a 10 or $15,000 check in, in 30 to 45 days and 28 days into it that deal could fall through like that. Mm. And um and then what? You know, you got to, you know, struggle and, you know, try to get more shit down the pipeline, but um you know, I like when new agents transition out of a job and keep it and keep that steady line of income and slowly get into real estate.
1: Yeah. So what would be your like I'm guessing that that would be your biggest advice for a new realtor is don't go balls to the wall. Right. Hesitant in a way, or like one foot, I, one foot I, in, one foot out in a way. N- not maybe out, not you know one foot
0: I mean. in, but don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, you know, keep that job serving or bartending um, or uh, uh, an outlet to meet people because you don't sell real estate unless you know people. Mm. You don't become successful in real estate unless you are brand yourself to many many people and create those relationships. Um, until you, uh, uh, like, because the problem is, is these big corporate companies paint this picture and make it sound like it's gonna be so easy and make it seem like they're gonna give so many leads and keep that agent afloat and it yeah. never happens. The only person you can count on in real estate is yourself. And um, and then they get discouraged and quit. Mm. And that's, you know, within the first three or four months, they didn't make a sale, they didn't get get a paycheck. They're like, well, fuck this, I can't Welcome to starting every business. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so when they come, when they're working as a server or whatever their current job is before they get that, that license and they want to quit and just jump full fledged into real estate, I tell them you can do real estate from your phone. You can set up showings at night on the weekends. Mm. You can still work part time or work nine to five in transition into real estate. So yes, my biggest advice for any new agents would be, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket when you have, a certain amount of money in the bank that you think you can survive on for six months, then maybe quit that job. Um, but I think that's a big mistake that a lot of them make. And I feel like it starts from the top because they get this beautiful picture painted for yeah. them. And then a lot of them get discouraged and they quit and they give up. Yeah. That's probably like
1: also old school <clears throat> marketing techniques. Right. You know, like before the internet, uh, buyer's remorse didn't really mean anything. You right. know, like from products to services, you know, you could sell bullshit to people and, mm-hmm. and it didn't matter because all it mattered was getting the sale. There was no Google reviews. There was no, like word of mouth wasn't fast enough, you know. Right. Where And so it feels like a lot of those places are still stuck in that mm-hmm. versus if you're thinking mi- at least mid to long term. Right. From every aspect, it's going to pay back crazy dividends because like the internet was great. It was a leveler for a lot of bullshit. You know, it also exacerbates a lot of bullshit. But right. by and large, it's like if if you want to research a business, I don't have to do much now. No, I pick up my phone. That's it. I do a couple of Googles, um, or Instagram, or again, I can search on all different things. Because eighty percent of people now will search a, uh, a social media for a company before they even decide to right. call. And yeah, I don't know. Like, if it just feels like. The internet was a really good thing for a lot of bullshit too. Mm -hmm. As much as everyone likes to crap on it,
0: (laughs) right? You know, right? No, I agree. Internet changed a lot of lives, and um, you know, it changed a lot of things in our world, and I, I think for the better. Mm. I think you know, with social media and and dating apps and shit, and um, you know, phones in general for kids and my kids' generation sucks because. I don't know how old you, I'm 35. Um, I'm 33. Yeah. Shit, 34. Jesus. Well, there you go. So you played outside <laughs> as a kid and you were- yeah, I was a, a 90s though. kid, yeah. I, yeah. I wasn't very good on a skateboard, but I tried. I, I hit the ramps with like the rollerblades and bikes and shit, but um, they, I mean, I make my kids get outside. They're, yeah. you know, they have phones and, you know, mainly for safety reasons and stuff like that now. But- um, and I try to keep them off them as much as I can. It's almost impossible. Um, but I think technology and phones and the internet kind of fuck the the newer generation. Yeah. Um, because they're all like this, you mm. know. You know, twenty four hours a day.
1: Well, it's what have you? I'm asking if you read a million books now. Uh, <laughs> irresistible. I so, haven't. So that's by Adam. Someone. He's an Aussie fascinating book it goes into the addiction of um it 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 leads with technology but it talks about addiction in general as well like um habits are the most addictive things that's why um you know we have a coffee in the morning we're more addicted to the habit than we are the caffeine hit Hmm. um and yeah he goes into a lot of things to do with like how those phones work and how uh even with conversations for example they would right. have a normal conversation like this and then they will put a phone in the line of sight face down doesn't even not even owned by you and i but they see that the conversation drops 20% because, because you're you're yeah. you're now focusing on what's on the other side of that window right and um it goes it, it's it's such a fascinating book that i highly yeah. recommend um and by, after reading that, I was like, all right, how do I lean into my weaknesses? I've, I've always done that with eating, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't buy bad food for the home for later. Cause you know, it later never comes. It's always right now. I'm <laughs> like right. that first night. I'm like, I feel like chocolate. <laughs> yeah, No, I agree. And, but I know I'm lazy in areas where it's like, if at middle of if at eight o'clock at night, if I feel like some chocolate, I'm gonna be like, fuck! I want some. Ugh, I'm angry, but I'm too lazy to get in the car and go and drive. Right, I'll just go to bed. Fuck it. And then I'm happy the next morning. Right. I've started doing that with like a tally system. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm learning Spanish. Good. Um, I'm on day three hundred and fifty-eight, three hundred and fifty-nine in a row. Because I'm like, all right, they have all the components of a video game. Mm-hmm. Like there's leaderboards with points. There's um you know, different trophies you get for certain things. And there's a a streak of days. And so I've lent into that deliberately, allowing myself to get addicted, but it's got a healthy outcome. And I've started doing that with other things now too. So for example, I've got a tally board of days without caffeine. Tally, 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 tally every day. And then, so say for example, I had a a Celsius or a coffee tomorrow. I'm like, fuck, and I have to wipe it out. Start again. I've got that with that, uh, badge chocolates, um, like just chocolate in general, except for protein bars. That's my, like, yeah. it doesn't count. <laughs> um, and also gluten, like excess gluten, because that flares it up. And I mm-hmm. always forget that I, I want to have a reminder every morning as I tally, don't do it. But I, then I've got the reverse. So, like, days since my last new client, days since my last $2,000 plus um, mm-hmm. payment from a, a package. And as that one gets bigger, the reverse is happening. Well, I'm like, fuck! I'm getting angry. I'm looking forward to wiping it out. And so by using those addictive properties of seeing a tally, right. I'm leveraging my, um, I guess, my human biases and mm-hmm. whatever it is that it motivates me every morning. Because I get, I'm like, yeah, fuck a tally, or or yes, wipe it off. Right.
0: That makes Um, sense. I like that. I did 75 hard. I only made it to day 48. mm. And um, I forgot to read one night. For whatever reason, I just went to bed. Um, But I like... My biggest problem, my biggest uh, downfall is food. Like, I've never been into drugs or drinking or anything like that. But I've... I've... You know, even when I was fighting, I always fought at a weight where I didn't have to cut. mm. And... uh, But I've always been a snacker and I've always been... really regimented with everything in my life and even tried to be regimented with meal prepping and food but i would always snack and do shit. i'm not a big sweets person but i'm big like carbs person and mm. and bread and chips and stuff like that Um, but it makes sense that makes total sense like now just the last since i started 75 hard and i'm i'm not doing 75 hard but i'm still really staying regimented with the diet and i'm down like 18 pounds hey. but um and i feel great and i'm i'm really trying to lack stay away from um gluten and and stuff like that cuz i think it really messes with my stomach um but, and i'm giving myself one cheat meal a week not a cheat day but just one mm. cheat meal and i've been really good with that um and i feel great like yeah. and it's like the first time in my life that i really stuck uh, to a diet, but the tally system and really keeping yourself, um, you know, not restrained, but, uh, you know, in check is smart. Like, mm. I think you have to do it or, or you don't, or, or you say, oh, I'll do it tomorrow or yeah. I'll start it next week. Um, and, and I'm really regimented in every aspect of my life. I'm very methodical and, but I've really never have put it into, to nutrition mm. And um, finally it took me, you know, 20 years since I got into like lifting and stuff like that at like 14, 15 to to really like nutrition and diet is so important. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's 80, 90% of, of, you know, I I think it's the most important thing when it comes to your physique and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, not only that, it just like you feel better. Right. You know, like I know, I always chase how I feel after. So right. like you know how people are like there's two types of massages. There's deep tissue, which is painful during, better after. Or there's the other like sort of like I'll rub you down, you feel great during, but doesn't right. matter after. I'll choose deep tissue, but it's the same with I'm always trying to with how I eat. It's like I mean. Let's face it; we eat every day, so there's enough data coming in for me to test. You know, (laughs) that it's like I want to chase how I feel after the meal, not during. Right. Because usually, when it's you're chasing during, Mm -hmm. you're eating certain types of food that feel great, like it's 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 mouth high. You're like, Mm. oh yeah, this is oh yum yum. (laughs) 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 That, um, but after you kind of like, oh fuck,
0: ugh. Yeah.
1: Versus the opposite, where I'm like, oh, this is really nice. Like, it's a good steak. This is, you know great fruit. And then after I'm like, fuck, I just feel, I feel energized. Right. You know? Like I probably could go run. I won't, but I could. Yeah. <laughs> the option's right. There. right.
0: Um, I felt great. I felt, you know, so much less bloated and, um, mm. you know, a little bit fewer headaches and stuff like that. Um, one thing I want to get rid of one day is caffeine. Mm. As we were talking about earlier. Yeah.
1: You're on like caffeine three for the day or something. Yeah. And then Dude. I'll have a,
0: a pre-workout. <laughs> Um, but
1: my, I would have so crazy anxiety yeah <laughs> my
0: thing is I'm uh, controlled by my phone I'm like a slave to my phone mm. um, because I don't sell anymore and we you know have almost 400 agents so and, and I get a lot of help from my partners and bro- other brokers but for the m- majority of it I take the brunt of the calls and the texts mm. um, so staring at my phone like just tires me out throughout the day mentally it wears you out and I lean on the caffeine, I guess, as a pick-me-up and, you know, one turns in two and then, mm. you know, then you're going to the gym, hitting a pre-workout. And, um, I try to, to intake no caffeine after 5 PM. Yeah. Um, because just noticing working out later in the day now and hitting that pre-workout at like two or three, um, I'm like wired to like 11. Yeah. And then I got to hit a, a, vape to go to sleep. I recently started doing a vape uh, in the okay. last, last year. Um, never tried marijuana until I was 30 years old. <laughs> um, I tried it legally in, in Colorado mm. and didn't like it. I st- I still don't like it, but I am not a sleeper. And I'm lucky if I get three to four hours a night. Really? And my buddy, you know, put me on to a marijuana vape um, with, uh, I guess it's Indica. Mm. And um, and it's been helping me sleep at least five, five and a half hours. And, um, and I'm not getting up all night long and mm. um, I felt better you know, during the day.
1: I wonder if it is related to caffeine. One thing I've found instead of that, do a bunch of push-ups. Yeah. Like, and it gets that yeah, blood like, flowing. It and gets the blood flowing. You get more awake. You Like I've done a few different things. So like there's that. Cause I'm on like day five without caffeine. But my thing is like, if I'm having one a day, I'm like, all right, cut yeah. it. Like even one a day for me is my limit where I'm like, nah, stop. I'm in too much of a habit of right. this. Um, but there's certain things that will help. Um, I listened to Andrew Huberman, and he's like a neurologist, and so fucking smart. But there's so there's there's movement, get the blood flowing, that'll help. Uh, even stretching can open your like open everything right. back up. But the real cool one is, that will help with you your circadian rhythms as well. Is um, outdoors, and oh. it doesn't have to be a lot. So. In the bottom of our eyes, we have um, receptors that perceive the light from the sun. Right. And that's what tells us what time of day it is. Now, the issue is that most of the time now we're inside, mm-hmm. you know, so we haven't got that um, that gauge. So what I'll do is, I mean, this morning I was outside for, you know, just 10 minutes, whatever, but, you know, I can be on my phone. I can still be working. Right. But I'm making sure that I'm collecting the, the morning sunlight into those receptors and it's like, all right, it's time to be awake. Midday, I'll do the same thing, just 10 minutes. It's nothing crazy, but same thing, I'm still working. I'm probably, I'll call someone just to chat, to catch up, to see like brainstorm ideas or whatever. Right. Plus walking, so I'm also getting blood flow. 3 p.m., 6 p.m., same thing.
0: That makes sense. And what
1: happens is I'm just keep, uh, multiple reasons, it's like, it'll tell me when to start slowing down, but also in the morning and during the day and at 3 p.m., it's still the sun is telling me like, Hey, it's still time to be, weird, but be awake, Blake. Right. So, you know, Makes sense. stay awake. Yeah. And I noticed that if I'm, because obviously editing, I'm in front of a computer fucking six hours sometimes. Yeah. And I feel it because I start sitting like that, uh-huh. slouching down. Or like lately, I've been sitting like this, just anything to keep me awake. Right. Then I'm like, all right, I'm going to go out, walk for 10 minutes, Makes walk in the street, walk back, bang, yeah. I'm alive, let's
0: go. Yeah, I like that. I'm gonna yeah. have to try to start doing that. Just take a walk outside of my office. Literally. And you can still work. Like yeah. that's the best part. It's not like you're the, the worst part it. of drinking a lot of caffeine is I have to like right now I'm about to pee my pants. <laughs> yeah, I know these waters here. Yeah. Me. <laughs> and uh and I just I have a small bladder to begin with, but when you're when you're adding caffeine to that it naturally like triggers mm. it even more. And I try to consume a lot of water too. Yeah. So um, you know, it's just I don't know, I think caffeine is just as bad as any other drug like yeah. you know people rely on it and yeah i have buddies that are drinking like three or four bangs a day and oh. pre-workout on top think, of that
1: on oh, no, a bang has 300 milligrams doesn't it i think so yeah, yeah this that is, is 200 200 i don't think they have it on the can i was doing they're sneaky little fuckers yeah Celsius. they might
0: not <laughs> they uh i was doing um two five hour energies a day oh the little man. ones that
1: thing i went into like what i could only imagine would be like a what a k-hole would feel like you yeah. know like ketamine holes i had i smashed one because they're not in australia I it. or at least they're new but in 2012 when i visited here for the first second time sorry i was sipping on it i'm like whatever but i was i was tired right like, fuck it smash the whole thing i'm it's so vividly burnt in my in my my memory i'm in the back seat of the car and i'm just like this just head on the car on, yeah. the, next, on the front seat just
0: Fucking dying. Mm-hmm. I'm like, people drink this shit. And I'm like, <laughs> I was getting really, really bad headaches then. And the what the kicker was, I got to, I remember this plain as day. My little one had a soccer game and I had to call my friend Lindsay um, to take the girls mm. because I was puking from a migraine. And my friend <laughs> Lindsay was like, you need to quit drinking those. I was drinking like two or three a day. Mm-hmm. I wasn't drinking pre workout though. I, I just recently got back into pre workout and, um, And that day on, that was like five years ago. I'd never drink another one. Yeah. But these and coffee and all that other shit is nowhere near, you know, as good. I mean, in my opinion, it's just something. The
1: weird thing is though, I mean, you'd have to wean off it. (laughs) Yeah. But even just going from a habit of one a day, um, I've got another friend who he went from three a day, you know, the first week was intense Mm -hmm. because he just went cold Turkey. But, He's like three weeks in now of no caffeine and he's just like, dude, I, I'm just as tired as I was when I was having it, right? you know, but I'm just as awake as well. Yeah. Um, But now I'm just not consuming, you know, three right. three coffees or three, you know, energy drinks a day. Right. And he's just having water. Yeah. So I don't know. I just, I don't like being, I don't like being uh, not enslaved, you know, like addicted. It's not addictive, but like, I don't want to be held by something. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know? Um I want to be held by the things that are good. Like, right. oh, I want to be quote unquote semi addicted to work. Like that's not mm-hmm. a bad thing. Right. You know? Or addicted to that that streak that I was talking about, like line line line. Right. But
0: I agree. Not yeah. something else you,
1: like caffeine.
0: No, I've I um yeah, you're kinda at the mercy of it. Like you rely on it. And um mm. I've never been addicted to anything as far as like drinking or drugs or anything. But obviously you know, I wake up in the morning. The first thing I do is go to the, um, the Nespresso machine and, mm. you know, I fucking sleepwalk to it and I just know, put the pot in and do. And, uh, I think coffee, you know, it's still caffeine. And, um, I think these are, is what's terrible for you. Anything canned or processed mm. or, you know, w- with all unless these, it's water. Unless, it's wa- <laughs> yeah, unless it's water. But, you know, if you look at the freaking. You know, oh, it's a list it's on there. like I can't even pronounce, you know, thirty percent of those words. So, mm. um, it can't be good for you. Like, it's it's just not like I. Uh,
1: I heard someone break that down once before though. Like, if if we didn't call it water, you'd be reading, you know, dihydrogen oxide. Yeah, you'd be like, what the fuck? I don't know what that is. Right. I, I remember something. Someone did a. It was a comedian, of course, but he was right. just saying like, we're trying to get rid of dihydrogen oxide. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's in everything currently. You know. It kills many people a year, and it does, drowning. Right, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So it's they're leading with all this thing, like people would be like, yeah, fuck, we need to get rid of this chemical. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's water. <laughs> they're like, yeah. oh.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess you can break it down anyway.
1: Yeah, but um, we'll wrap it up because I need a pee too. Yeah, I'm about yeah, to piss my pants. Yeah, I know, we're both getting <laughs> jittery. <laughs> uh, so for anyone who's uh, listening, where can they reach uh,
0: you? Uh, definitely way? our website marzuco real um, gets you know fed to one of my employees and um, but definitely on Instagram like we mm. have a, a big following on Instagram whether it's my personal page or the the brokerage page um, believe it or not social media has been a great recruiter for us so um you know you can they can check out our culture and our vibe they can see everything on social media mm. All so.
1: Right. awesome so make sure you do guys and if you're you are If you haven't subscribed yet, make sure to subscribe. Uh, Hit the bell so that you don't miss stuff because there's a lot of interesting people like Josh. Appreciate that. All right. See you guys. Bye. Thank you. Oh, man. I'm going to be so bad.